Welcome to the Dispatch episode for the month of Watch Out for Fireballs. Uh, this one is brought to you by our patrons, of course. We go to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. But also, uh, DuckStream this year, 2019, DuckStream uh, is going to be December 20th, that weekend. 48 hours of live streaming, uh, goof-em-ups, games, japes, jests. Uh, we're going to have both. Um, and, uh, that all of the proceeds that of course go to the transactive gender center here in Portland, Oregon. Um, so we will have more information soon, but I want to let everyone know to mark your calendars, escape from the family doldrums around the holidays for 48 hours of fun and merriment. Uh, that is Duckstream, d- the weekend of December 20th. Thanks. <laughs> My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs Dispatch, our monthly Q&A listener responses next episode announcement topic show. Yeah, Uh, where we uh, do all of those things. Uh, We're going to answer Mm -hmm. your questions and prompts. Uh, We're going to read your responses to uh, The Last Express, The Simpsons Hit and Run, and Deus Ex Human Revolution. Uh, It's going to be a good Mm -hmm. time. Yeah. Yeah. These are always fun. Yeah. I always one of the breeziest recording sessions we have in the month. I know. Right. Um, it is. It's a, it's a good time. It's been a fun month too. People seem to like them. Yeah. It's been a fun month too. Like like good, like good premium stuff. We've got, um, Mm -hmm. the, the, the Tron adaptation decay up there. We're going to have a, uh, we're going to have a, uh, oh gosh, unfilmable about the haunted palace Mm -hmm. because, uh, Vincent Price is a treasure. Mm -hmm. He is priceless. Mm. Uh, yeah, uh, there's a, you know, for people at that level as well, me and Will just recently recorded some more of our dumb shit that we do on that premium <laughs> thing. So we got some of that stuff in the hopper uh, oh, yeah. and it involved us sitting in the car after getting wings and recording. Mm. Uh, and that's always really fun. Yeah, I we had to I made a mistake talking about the legend of Bumbo and now I have to recreate car ambience in a $10,000 audio lab <laughs> to, uh, <laughs> to make it match with the edit correct. So just know that your money is going to. uh Good causes. Yep. So <laughs> we're just, just picturing you like rigged up in a wind tunnel. Yeah, exactly. You know, oh. just piping in like, you know, will ambience. Just the sounds <laughs> that his body makes uh, that just emanate from him like pig yeah. pen. Um, the, <laughs> so, like, uh, yeah, let's uh, let's get into it. Here. Let's do um, it. I'm going to start here with uh, with Jared here. We're starting with uh, game questions and comments, of mm-hmm. course. Uh, Jared says, one of my favorite aspects of the Souls games is how they're unafraid of being silly. A random chuckle is a great way to break up games that are infamous for frustrating sections of difficulty. I know that you also appreciate those moments and bring them up as they appear, but why has no one brought up the ragdoll corpses? Uh, it's one of my favorite parts of the games in general, and goofily waiting around dead foes and rolling to try to launch them down a flight of stairs has given me a lot of much-needed levity in a challenging series. hope other people find this amusing, and I will consent that I now understand the historical amount of Dark Souls to hate, but only because it's the only Souls game to remove ragdoll physics from enemy corpses thanks for the laughs keep them coming we will try uh yeah uh, i me and brayton 
did a co-op Let's Play of Dark Souls that got aborted because of technical issues. Uh-huh. And I made a little trailer for it that was me taking all of the corpses I could find in the first area of the depths mm-hmm. and putting them all in a corner and then, like, rolling around in them to <laughs> Oingo Boingo's Dead Man's Party. <laughs> so I appreciate the ragdoll physics. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, at the very least. It's, uh, you know? I, I feel like they are just, uh, it's kind of like this is water, you know? It almost doesn't feel yeah, worth yeah. commenting on. You just kind of take it for granted that it's there. Yeah. 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 I don't, I don't, I, you know, it, it'd be tricky. You know, I can't, I couldn't say a thousand percent that I think that is an intended thing designed to alleviate frustration and yeah. be funny. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that like lots of games have ragdoll dolls. It never works, but the idea that the entire industry is still just doing ragdolls <laughs> because they think it's funny <laughs> is, is, I don't credit the industry with that kind of mono thought and, right, and dedication right. to the to the bit mm-hmm. i think the idea is that it's supposed to look cool when they fall over yes i think it is um, supposed to be you know i just the, this this is easier it's easier to implement this middleware than to like put in a death yeah. animation for this thing yeah 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 and and have a bespoke death animation right. you know where it has to lock into the animation after it dies and everything which would be a bummer like how they do when they line up to get parried i really i you really know? just wish that they would leave the ragdoll corpses for the bosses Oh man! Yeah, yeah, that's pretty amazing. You know, that would be really silly. That could be because I mean, just regardless, they they all just kind of like take a knee and then disappear, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It would be pretty. It'd be pretty fun if they they literally were just corpses. Mm-hmm. That'd be a cool thing to have uh, in terms of like you know bell ringing in other people's world and stuff too. Oh yeah. Like imagine if on your way to the Taurus demon, you know, you found a Taurus demon corpse Ooh. that was from another player having killed one. Yes. <laughs> You know, you can like, really pose cool next idea. to it as a trophy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I'm the guy who made Jimmy John. <laughs> uh, here's my big game hunting. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so in answer to your question, I don't I think people do appreciate those. Yes. And at the very least we do. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, Doug writes, what is the most kinesthetically pleasing mechanic you've encountered in a game? I'd pick Spider-Man's web swinging on PS4, but I'd love to hear your thoughts. N E S Zapper. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Zapper feels pretty good. Yeah, you like that that click. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, yeah, I never feel like I'm hitting what I'm aiming at with it. Like it's, <laughs> it feels good physically. Yeah, but um, if, 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 that, if that counts, it is it, it is a, a a sound and a feel and an experience that is that that, that I have very warm associations with. It it is a it's a good other, one. Than, other than that like Doom Doom Two Super Shotgun or something like that I don't know. yeah Super Shotgun is extremely up there yeah uh, for me um the the rhythm of that Spider Man's real good mm-hmm. um you know uh yeah I don't I don't know if I have any I, you know, I was gonna say Super Shotgun mm-hmm. as just being but that's like almost all audio design too so it's kind of hard to like huh. kinesthetics are a weird thing because yeah. it I would say audio is a very a important part of kinesthetics yeah. It's a it's a it's kind of like a weird catch all mm-hmm. term. Um, yeah. I I do love uh, swinging, and that I love um, I love teleporting and dishonored. Oh yeah, yeah. like the way that the uh, mantling and teleporting work together, mm-hmm. and that I think is really really good and clever. Yes, uh, and feels really good. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Kind of a recent one. Last night I played the first hour of Control. Uh, the telekinesis oh, in that perfect. is on fucking point, man. Good. Good yeah. to know. Yeah, it's been a while since someone's done a good version of telekinesis, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just I have, I have no idea. It's fresh in my memory, so recency bias, but um, it mm-hmm. it feels very good. Yeah, 
I always, get, I always forget the term recency bias because it, it's been popping up in my head a lot lately now that everyone is doing things of the decade and oh, yeah, all this yeah. stuff from 2019 is showing up. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you don't even know. <laughs> yep. Like, it just hasn't settled. How do you know? <laughs> you know? Uh, oh, so, so it's, you're just obligated to put out that article? Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the other. That's the biggest problem. Yeah. So, so thanks, Doug. Uh, moving on to uh, Marcus. Marcus says, uh, just a fun question, but what way does music help or hinder a game? I'm thinking of everything from sparse musical scores like the FromSoft games to the dynamic scores of things like the Untitled Goose game to the much maligned I Am The Wind from Symphony <laughs> of the Night. Uh, what are the moments that uh, that best require no music? Uh, yeah, I mean, music, uh, music is obviously super important. Yes. Uh, you know, um, in general, like, most music does not hinder a game for me. I do find vocal ending themes and vocal beginning themes annoying uh, uh, to me. I, I don't know that breaks. I can name one off the top of my head that is not embarrassing. Yeah. Besides like than, God like, Hand. Explicit comedy. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Like God Hand, like there are specific kind of comedy ones. Mm-hmm. There's one of those in Dead Rising. Yep. Uh, to you, I think that that Will uh, likes to rap at me. Lots of Will content because I hung out with Will a lot yesterday. Um, the, uh, but you know, there's ones of those that are kind of funny, but generally like a very serious love song that is at the beginning or end of a game for no reason. I don't <laughs> get. Yeah, I think that that's uh, silly and dumb. Yes. Um, so that is probably the times in which I want less of that or no music. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that other than Souls games, which like you know famously don't have music during levels. Um, I think that a good time that benefits for no music is before a boss. Yes. Like, you know, going into an area that looks like some shit went down and you're in the pregnant pause before the shit is going to re-go down. Mm-hmm. It's a good time for no music. Yes. You know? Um, I think a good time for no music. Uh, I think that periods of silence are necessary for horror. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, not, you know, not necessarily silence, but um, let you live in and soak in the sounds of the world. Thinking of something like uh, Dead Space, either of those games where there's not a lot of music. Uh, there's nothing like specifically really composed in a lot of the uh, exploration bits. It is just about hearing the way the the, the, the ship or the space station sound. Yeah. yeah. Well, otherwise, I mean, like sound or speech in horror like we talked about this a little bit last month yeah. but like has a whistling in the dark mm-hmm. kind of effect to it which yeah. can undercut horror right now you're never alone with a song no but you know they're like they're, so. they're, 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 <laughs> <laughs> the silent hill games tend to use uh t- tend to use music to a very good effect uh but it is usually after um after an experience where that they will include yeah. um non-industrial like melodic music um never in yeah. the lead up to one and I think I think you and I also have slightly different takes on like some of the more modern music influence stuff that happens in Silent Hill. Like mm-hmm. I am less on board with. Yeah. You know, like the guitar stuff feels silly to me. Oh yeah. Um, a lot of the time. Um, sometimes it's good, mm-hmm. but sometimes it feels not that dissimilar to like a vocal theme. Mm, yeah. You know, at the beginning of a thing, like having the rock theme from Silent Hill Two, I think is a little <laughs> bit silly. Um, yeah, the 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 one that turns but, into a James Bond. <laughs> theme like yeah in, yeah I, incongruously I, yeah i think that's a little bit detrimental yeah uh, personally mm-hmm. um the other way you can use comedy too that i just thought about this because of survival horror is like the deadly premonition uh american idiot oh yeah thing is pretty funny like <laughs> yeah. that that's a interesting use of of music and was like the moment i feel like like i understood that like anything goes in that game mm-hmm. like i think i was trying to take it a little bit more seriously than that up until that point right right so getting to that point, I was like, oh, okay, this is, we're taking the piss. Yes. Like, I get it. 
American Idiot. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like I remember that this is broaching to like topic length, but like to what extent, um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't, let me figure out how to phrase this. Does good music help a game more than bad music harms it? Oh yeah. I, um, I, I don't think so. No. Like personally, like bad music, like something really, really incongruous can be really fucking distracting. <laughs> right. You know, like it like ends with Dragula or something like that. Or like the, um, you know, the music at the end of uh, Wolf Inside um, the New Colossus mm-hmm. is just so silly and dumb to me yeah. that that hurt, like hurt that not the game, mm-hmm. but hurt that last sequence a lot. Right. Whereas like serviceable music just doesn't get in the way and right. good music can elevate something, but it doesn't like do the opposite of ruin, mm-hmm. at least to me. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I didn't yeah. I didn't necessarily have an answer to that question in mind. I just, yeah, I don't know. And I'm sure there's like a thousand exceptions too. Yes. To, to what I just said, but generally, like music, like really incongruous atonal music, like music that doesn't get out of the way, mm-hmm. is almost always going to be more harmful than average or bland or mediocre music that doesn't get in the way. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Or, yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Um. What does uh, Jake have to say? Jake has to say, "Hey guys." Uh, it's a bit current, but I was wondering if uh, you have gone in on the new Pokemon games, namely uh, Sword and Shield. In previous episodes, you have mentioned how you are fans of the series, so I was wondering if you are day oneers or whenever you get the chance for it. Um, whenever I get the chance for it, um, basically for the past 15 years, I have, whenever I've gotten a Pokemon game, it has been with the best intentions. I get maybe about two gems in and I lose interest. So, uh, I think that I am more of a fan of the idea of the games than playing them. It, it is safe to say. Yeah. I, I think I have become more, more like that. Yeah. Um, and weirdly enough, even though it is largely considered to be a good entry and there's nothing specifically wrong with it, mm-hmm. um, sun moon is kind of what turned me into that. Yeah. Like I got that really early on and was pretty excited and I just couldn't muster up very much like energy or enthusiasm to play it, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, sword and shield, like I've been following the discourse on it and there are things that definitely seem neat about it mm-hmm. but it feels it's such a conservative series yeah you know like the the you know a lot of people have thrown up that like uh pokemon cross with breath of the wild thing and apparently there's like a, a zone that kind of feels like that but most of the uh, game is really business as usual right. the same thing they've been doing since the, the you know 20 years yeah um yeah and that's uh that event that just wore on me like mm-hmm. the innovations that happened in sun and moon weren't good enough uh, you know, to me to, to really hold my interest and like yeah. just seeing the new designs was cool, but I can do that through Google yes. if I want to like, you know, so that, that one kind of was the first one I didn't make significant progress. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, uh, previous to that, I was day one or very early on and would, uh, pick at them until I got to the end. I would never do all the extra stuff, Yeah, but you know, black and white and the, the one, um, was the one before Sun Pearl and, Moon. and no, the one before Sun and Moon X and Y X and Y. Yeah. yeah. I got, I got to the end of X and Y and black and white, like the last few of them before that. I never mm-hmm. played the sequel. Right. You know, the, 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 uh, the crystal version. Yeah. Know, yeah. The crystal versions. I never do that, but right. the, um, those ones I, 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 you know, got through and, and enjoyed, but yeah, Sun <laughs> and Moon, even though it's a good game kind of broke that for me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Just that, that, that conservatism, uh, I have so little time to play games discretionary, you know, so little mm-hmm. discretionary game time that, uh, it, it just, it does not feel like a satisfying, uh, way to use that time to play something that is so similar to what came before. No, that you've done before. Yeah. You know, and the stories are never really good. Mm-hmm. 
you know, sometimes like the, the there there can be kind of charming situations or charming villains, but I don't think the plots in those games are particularly good. Like, yeah, it's real weird. Like, they're it's a weird series mm-hmm. that I, I generally I, I'm a fan of. You know, if you ask me, pass fail, but. The last couple of, you know, the last one and this one, I'm, I'm finding myself less interested than I once was. What I'm saying is so. all of you fucking sheep are playing Madden and you don't know it. That's exactly. I'm glad that you, you put the words right in my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> At the official <laughs> position on this cultural phenomenon. Yeah. Um, you know, I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good. It yeah. was a real, like another kind of sea change in me, like, you know, not falling out of love, but just kind of falling into like an uneasy companionship with Pokemon was us doing yellow for the for the live show uh-huh. where I'm like, man, like there's just like a lot of things that have not changed that much in this, uh, this series that are mm-hmm. just like pretty rough stuff. Yeah. You know? So, um, and I guess like now, uh, TMs are, some of them are consumable again. Okay. The new one, why would you go backwards on that? I don't know. It's such a dumb thing in the first place. And, like, and why some of them? Yeah. It, it's such a weird series. Cause it's trying to like, please like the, I'm playing Pokemon wrong. Mm-hmm. is like one of the answers to this like i just want to beat the story like right, play, and that's right. and not because uh the story is good or because i think that's all there is to pokemon but mm-hmm. that's that tends to correspond with the amount of pokemon i want to play yeah yeah but the series has moved on to uh catering to competitive players right which is why like xp share is something that's controversial and i'm like what you know like <laughs> not having total control over when you level up your characters because they might get different weird effort values mm-hmm. is controversial to weirdos yeah um and then so it's, it's for those people and then for like completionists like i'm just going to do everything mm-hmm. so they put a lot of cool stuff in the, the optional t- uh content and i just want to go through the game right. and they, it feels like they moved farther and farther away from me as a target audience for that yeah i i I need to i need to examine this feeling but like when a game like pokemon sword is controversial because fans are whining about you know the national decks not being in there or what have you like Mm -hmm. it makes me want to buy it more to spite them but that is sure that is senseless and not like a good instinct you're welcome to the world of people who are like oh they like lower the titties <laughs> on they lowered the titty slider on this game i'm buying four copies <laughs> like, um yeah. yeah or or they or they didn't lower the titty slider i guess so it was on that like the uh maybe you know, titty slide titty slider kk sliders uh cousin city cousin oh jesus um yeah i i uh, i get that too mm-hmm. gamers yeah um yeah uh we got another one from jake mm-hmm um and this was suggested as a topic uh but we just don't i don't think that we have 20 minutes on this so right. we shunted it into a game question so no mm-hmm. no uh offense intended jake mm-hmm. um it says uh, what's your opinion on remakes and remasters uh how different are they this console generation versus the last what are some of the pitfalls they can fall into what do they bring to the table that you view as valuable i mean so i think we should distinguish remakes and remasters from each other um to a certain extent because remasters i think are genuinely good uh it is just a way for uh modern players to play games that might be uh difficult to get a hold of you know like fuck Mm -hmm. last of us remastered seemed kind of senseless when it came out but i don't know like try playing a ps3 game now yeah yeah like it still it still looked good like the graph i think that's the the difference right like i like a a a remaster in terms of sustainability i think Mm -hmm. that like you know, the, the Dark Souls remaster that changes the frame rate and stuff like that alone does not make it that much better than Dark Souls. You're right. You know, ever was. Mm-hmm. It just makes it so you can play it on PS4 and play it on Switch and stuff. And that's great. Yeah. Yeah. You know, nothing you know, that. for archival purposes. And again, not, not archival. It's not maintaining the original, but just, you know, games need you, you, know, you got to be able to play them for more than five years after they come yeah. out. Yeah. For longevity purposes. Yeah. 
you know, and th- there's huge swaths of game history that are lost to that. Like specifically like a lot of stuff from the weird windows 95 exclusive. There yeah. are, there's tons of stuff that is just like incredibly hard to play Yes, uh, in the PC world from that. And it's, it's different than like, but like a remake would, would address that, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and then, or a remaster rather. And then like a remake is, you know, what was like Resident Evil. We throw, throw, throw that in there. Yeah. I think links to Tomb, Tomb, Tomb Raider like anniversary. Yeah. 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 Uh, through that. And in general, I think those are, you know, I'm, I'm for those. Mm-hmm. I got, you know, I got, I got no problem with that. Some of those are amazing games. Yeah. Uh, in their own right. Um, there, you know, there are times I prefer the original. They don't hurt me. Yeah. Uh, in general. Like I, I don't, I don't get super excited about a remake. Mm-hmm. Like I think that the the times it's going to be a a Resident Evil mm-hmm. is pretty rare, yeah, for me. Or a Resident Evil Two, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, like those are pretty rare uh, to me that I get like very excited about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, um, Resident Evil Two is the one like the one in recent memory that I got excited about. Yeah, you know, yeah. but I, I, they don't hurt anything. Like I don't have a strong opinion about them one way or another. Like mm-hmm. I want to know if there's something you know. So I, I'm not saying this debate controversy because I haven't played it. But like one of the things about I was like, oh, there's a Link's Awakening remake. Like I don't I like Link's Awakening as it is now. Mm-hmm. They're not changing very much other than the graphics and some ease of use stuff. Like I'm OK without this. Yeah. yeah. Like I think I like the old graphics better. So why would I play this? And mm-hmm. but it doesn't hurt me that it came out. I'm not annoyed by it. Yeah. Having you know? play, having played it, I can say, yeah, you, you had the right read on it. Like it was good. It had been yeah. a long time since a long time since I played Link's Awakening and those those quality of life changes they made are good. But it's you know, mm-hmm. a very similar, um, very similar proposition. Yeah. Whereas like a, a ground, you know, a ground up remake of that, I might have been a little bit more interested in, but it would still depend on whether it was any good. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd still wait, kind of wait and see. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, so, yeah, I just I guess I just don't have strong enough opinions. No. And I, and I don't really fall into like, you know, it's it's rare that I that I look at that and think, oh, they could have made something new. Generally, when a remake like that comes out, it's in the middle of a, you know, bustling series already. Like, it's not like, yeah. you know, them making the Link's Awakening, yeah, the Link's Awakening remake uh, took away from them making the follow up to Breath of the Breath Wild. Of the Wild yeah. Generally, yeah. it's big enough yeah. companies that they're working on a bunch of stuff at this, uh, you know, at different times. Opportunity cost is a weird thing to, like, I'm not saying that you, I, or either, uh, either of us never mm-hmm. fall into this. Yeah. But typically from the outside, I think that uh, I am definitely too ignorant to cite opportunity costs as often as I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's generally true of people as well. Yes. Like we don't actually know that this other thing we wanted and said would have happened. Yes. You know, so, um, yeah. Uh, moving on to some life questions. Yeah. Uh, this one, uh, we, we should have gotten to this one last time. However, you know, it's generally always good to think about haunted houses. Uh, Rick writes, in the spirit of the season, since you dudes are pretty into haunted houses and have been to far more of them than I have, I wondered if you have any thoughts on the extreme haunts, uh, on some of the extreme haunts out there. Uh, with McCarney Manor uh, probably being the most notorious, I saw it get coverage in two separate shows on Netflix, and my impression was uh, that someone never learned that BDSM is supposed to be safe, sane, and consensual, and that old Russ is 100% jerk in it in the edit room uh but i'm curious to hear y'all's takes on things uh i don't necessarily need uh to feel like my life is in danger you don't want me to you don't need uh i don't need you shooting me with staple guns gary um yeah you don't you don't you don't want to be fed your own vomit no uh in the back of a van uh because that's what mckinney manor is (laughs) uh, is that really what that is 
watch. It, it is, is now. I, I watched one of those documentaries uh, yeah. uh, as well. Who's old um, Russ? On it, and the, the, uh, he's the guy who runs Bikini Manor. Okay, okay. Um, he's certainly jerking off right to to portions of it like a thousand percent mm-hmm. uh watching that you get the most jerk off energy i've ever seen like watching his like weird <laughs> twinkle in his eyes during it it's it's actually like it's that i thought the documentary uh, the one i watched it says there's two different shows i only watched one of them uh-huh. um, i thought it was pretty lame <laughs> like i thought it was like not very interesting right but uh just that guy's weird horny like tinkle <laughs> in, in in his eye he had a one horny apple in, yeah. in his eye uh, the entire time like it was like probably the most uh you know just compelling thing about the 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 movie yeah um i i, I think those are i think they're weird and dumb but there's a huge scale so like mckinney manor is the infamous one that mm-hmm. uh, there's no safe word they basically at this point they black bag you put you into a van and then for the better part of a day like waterboard you and vomit in your face and staple gun you jesus uh while you cry and beg to leave and then you can't Mm because you signed a contract and then whenever they feel like they're done with you they kick you out yeah and sometimes people say that they like it um there's like a waiting list that's like twenty thousand people long to get on he doesn't make money from it he he asks you to donate two cans of dog food uh to a shelter to get in so that's what makes me think he's getting paid in semen uh, that he produces out of his body <laughs> he pays himself <laughs> he writes himself a big ass jack at the end of every set something <laughs> is going into some kind of bank yeah <laughs> they, like coming writing a check as a euphemism for for coming is very funny to me <laughs> like, i i just i just jerk off until my dick writes a check yeah yeah and then <laughs> hopefully it doesn't bounce <laughs> <laughs> just, Oh, I'm going to cut a check. Um, the, um, uh, so, yeah, the, but the rest of them that are like, quote unquote, extreme tend to be more arty. Yeah. Uh, you know, I got I, I went down a real rabbit hole with these last month. Um, so I, there's like a cracked article where somebody went through um, Pitch Black, uh, which is a, a famous one in L.A. that is like has nudity and is sexual. But mm-hmm. there is a safe word. Um, and they, they basically said what happened in it. What I wanted was spoilers mm-hmm. for it. And it doesn't that that I don't have any problem with. It's not for me, but I don't think it's gross. I think that the McCandy Manor is probably pretty gross. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, yeah, there are a lot of petitions to shut that down. People hate it. Yeah. Uh, for good reason. Uh, you know, so. I, I, th- I think not not for me is where I come down on it. Mostly because I don't like at the at the end of the day. I I speak in cliches. At the end of the day, I like haunted houses more for set design than I set design yeah. and just like scenario or concept than I do for any sense of like actual scare. The the the, the scares yes. are a little bit secondary to me. Well, and we we just spent a whole episode talking about different kinds of scares and yes. like the kind of scare of being black bagged and waterboarded mm-hmm. is scary. Yeah. But it's not the kind of scary of walking into a room and seeing like a cool lab, Mm -hmm. you know, like those are those are different kinds of like, you know, or even just having something jump out at you. Yeah. Like there's there's just not a flavor of terror that I'm like interested in at all. Have you You seen the the, the Nathan for you where he helped out the haunted house? Mm -mm. (laughs) No, that 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 show is like really like weirdly hard to get all of and and was initially Mm -hmm. like I was trying to watch it on Comedy Central. Oh, yeah. Uh, before I before I just went and got like Netflix and I can watch it now. Right. But I was trying to watch it on Comedy Central and it kept uh, having interstitial ads mm. at, like in between in the middle of sentences. Weird. And then I would have to restart the video afterwards and then fast forward to where I was. Jesus, thank you. Uh, thank so you. I was like, I was like, 
Yeah, thank you, thank you, streaming. I was like, I'm going to watch Nathan for you all the way, and then uh-huh. I didn't do it, and then now yeah. I end up. So. No, I just say Hulu is the best way to do it, but I understand not not paying for a subscription service like that. Uh, but, but basically, what he does is it's it's the same haunted house, but uh, at the end, he you know he comes out and says, "Hey, that employee that uh that that touched you had something contagious and deadly, so we're going to need to take <laughs> you to a hospital." <laughs> They, they take him. They take him to a hospital where they paid all the doctors to be like really concerned about it, and then you know, at, at the end they're cleared. <laughs> and as they step out of the hospital, there's a sign that says "Haunted House Exit." <laughs> that, that's that's really really good. Yep. God, I fucking uh, love that, that show that is, so much. <laughs> that's, that's very funny. That's a that's a really really good, good yeah. idea. Like like the the yeah. goal the goal was the concept was the best the best publicity a haunted house can get is if somebody sues them for it being too scary. Yeah, <laughs> so that's what yeah. we decided to do. That, Sorry, I am good. just laughing about funny TV right now, but no, no, it's it's quite because it's it's very good. Yeah, yeah I need to to do a, a full watch of that mm-hmm. that show. I've not seen all of it, but yeah. I, I I do love it. It's very good. So. <clears throat> Uh, moving on, Andrew uh, says, how do you guys deal with pain and strain in your hands from playing so many games for the show? If so, uh, how do you deal with it? Or do you guys deal with it? If so, how? Um, um, I don't get uh, pain and strain from controllers. I do sometimes get uh, pain and strain from like reaching with a mouse mm-hmm. and not having my wrist at rest. And I just deal with it by taking breaks. Yes. Um, I do not get them. If I feel like it's coming on, I take breaks, but I already take a lot of breaks anyway. So that is my uh, mm-hmm. that is my primary way that, that, that I deal with it. Uh, this is this is not a solution that's available to everybody, but I do have an adjustable desk, and like that helps me mm. uh, change posture and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. You know, th- throughout the day or throughout a session. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Let's see here. Lewis writes: What songs are inextricably linked to exes, breakups, or rough times that are now impossibly hard to listen to? Donnie and Joe Emerson's "Baby," the entirety of Sam Cooke, Al Green, and Sly and the Family Stone for me. Um, Venga Bus by the Venga Boys. Yeah, no, the, no, the, Venga, the Venga Bus wasn't. Yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing. <laughs> the um, because you used to date the uh, old person who shielded for Six Flags. Yeah, he was such a good dancer, Gary. <laughs> yeah, I know. He's, well, he had moves. Yeah, you know, and and you don't look at the you don't look at the mantle when you're poking the fire, <laughs> like. <laughs>
Mm-hmm. Um, the, 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 that Halloween, the most recent like Halloween continuation movie, that movie is really good. Oh, and uh, I uh, I didn't hear good things about that. I but super I, good. Me, me and Allison went and saw that when she came out and oh, yeah? visited. Nice. Uh, and we both like had a blast. Like it's really mm-hmm. fun. Super good. Cool. Uh, um, and the eighties were are full of like legitimately good big budget horror movies. Mm-hmm. Like uh, you know, like I think Poltergeist is like a good movie. Yeah, you know? yeah. it's a cool movie. It's like it's scary and and cool. Mm-hmm um yeah yeah agreed you know and alien alien of of course um yeah i just i think that you know popular successes you know popular success and good horror movie those are not mutually exclusive like you know even if there's like a a, a turn or a genre like i don't know reasonable people can disagree as to whether or not like the torture porn stuff you know the saw and hostile um are good or Mm -hmm. worthwhile i think saw two and hostile two are really good movies like really good horror movies And and fuck, like you run into stuff like Get Out. Yes. You know, that's not an indie movie. No. Like it was it's a smaller <laughs> studio, but it, it it's you know, cultural ubiquitous, and that's one of my favorite movies ever. Like yeah. that's a great movie. It's one mm-hmm. of my favorite all time best horror movies. As to the um, as to the first part of the question, like genre gatekeeping is one of the uh, let's let let's say less productive things a person can do in their life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um I just yeah. I, I I have a negative uh negative opinion of uh, genre gatekeepers. So something, yeah, I don't, I don't like it. I also have decided, and this is just a, a pet peeve of mine, but the rush to kind of gerrymander things out of the horror genre mm-hmm. can be annoying to me. It, yeah. it feels like hot dog, a sandwich, die hard as Christmas movie style stuff a little bit to yes. me. Yeah. And I don't, I, I question the motivation of it. Like mm-hmm. when someone's like, oh, this isn't really a horror movie. And it's like, well, you know, it's a question of intent. A horror, a horror does not have to be a specific thing. Like the, to me, the witch is absolutely a horror movie. Mm-hmm. I think that movie is like full of dread and uh, tension and uh, mm-hmm. you know horrific concepts and stuff like that. Just because there isn't a monster that comes out and jump scares, like that mm-hmm. is just a really weirdly narrow definition of horror. I feel the same yeah, way about the yeah. lighthouse. Like the you know people who are like, oh, it's actually a comedy. It's like no, there are funny bits in it. Right. But just saying like it's actually a comedy feels a little bit like um like a trick. Like, yeah, a, like a yeah. like a stunt, like a party trick almost to me. Like, oh, if you think, you know, Pokemon Snap is actually an FPS if you think about it. I'm right, like, well, right. you know, we we all just come on. You know, just, like, let, let, like, let, let's just all repeat it that. together. Technically correct is right, the yeah, worst is kind the, of correct. Yeah. You know, yeah. and th- this is, you know, when people say The Lighthouse isn't a horror movie, I don't think they're trying to be technically correct. I think mm-hmm. they're trying to do like a stunt. Like, yeah. it, it feels yeah. like a stunt mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. No, you you can say, oh, this isn't scary, but I don't know. Yeah. There, like there 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 are horror movies that aren't scary. Totally. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like yeah. it just uh, many, you many, know it, many it, of them. Every, everybody has their own has their own, you know, triggers for that kind of stuff. And to say that it's, like, oh, there needs to be something supernatural for this to be a horror movie. Like I don't fucking psycho's horror movie, <laughs> Doc. Yeah, yeah, and then nothing's – and also, like, scary is so subjective, yeah, right? Yeah, Because that was, like, a big complaint about Midsummer. Like, it was like, mm-hmm. oh, it's not really scary. And I'm like, well, I thought that movie was really scary. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's not hereditary <laughs> scary, but, like, I I still found that movie really scary, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So, you know, I don't uh, – it's it just – so, to me, like, my opinion on that is that it's, it's like like you said, not a great use of time. Yeah, yeah. G- like, gerrymandering is a good word for it, yeah. Yeah, it's not my favorite thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that said, I'm not. I don't. I'm not going to write a medium essay about it. I just find it mildly annoying. Yeah, yeah. It's just a, not 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 preferred behavior. Let's say, or not yeah. something I would do. Yes. Yes. Um, Andy writes. 
I'm wondering how you guys get people into tabletop role-playing games. My friends and I have played a bunch of time-intensive board games, like Axis and Allies, for a long time, but I would like to try to get them into Call of Cthulhu. They have never done anything like role-playing and are pretty hesitant about it. Uh, they are willing to give it a go. Any tips for a new keeper uh, to make the attempt as good as it can be? Um, yeah, that's tough. Because yeah. Call of Cthulhu is a weird game. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you have to kind of be signed up for it. I think I would just uh, setting expectations is the most important part of starting any role playing uh, project. Yes. So saying things like, you know, this don't think of this as a game where, you know, the goal is to win. Think of this as a game where the goal is to tell a complete and cool story. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, do not, you know, it's important to, you know, kind of role play this, but also. Yes, like the first haunted thing that happened, you're genre savvy, you'd go home, mm -hmm. you know, part of you're playing a character who would be curious, Yeah, you know, so just uh, keep in mind that it is mandatory that you're curious or mm -hmm. or the game doesn't work like appreciate the fiction. Yeah, you know, be be in the genre we're in. You know, I think that setting those expectations is probably the most important part. Yes, I, I don't necessarily have an answer. And my answer wouldn't be to this particular question. It would be that maybe to try to catfish them into role-playing a little bit pick something that's a little bit crunchier mm. pick a system that's a little bit crunchier a little bit more war gamey and then like <laughs> just trick them into role-playing uh yeah yeah make um, it uh make it easier games. for them to come over for yeah yeah like if you played access and allies if you played like tactical games play iron kingdoms iron mm -hmm. kingdoms is a role-playing game that is like 50 50 split between tactics and role-playing yeah. um, and it allows you to kind of transition however you like mm -hmm. so you can slowly become more of a, uh, a role-playing right situation uh yeah and there's a lot of uh, videos and good stuff out there like i always recommend uh, matt coville's series on running the game is really good and he has a good one on encouraging people to role-play mm -hmm. uh, and the two big tricks he uses is like you know uh voices are only kind of in part part of uh role-playing but like if you use them or try to characterize people differently you can lead by examples yeah and referring to people by their character name and being like you know how do how does uh you know how does bargs respond to that mm -hmm. what does bargs think about that yeah, yeah you know and that gets them thinking about an external self yes uh in a way that i think is cool this is like good tip so yeah um yeah what uh what does uh michael say is that me uh, I, believe, uh my, I, I believe this is you yeah. Uh, Michael says, uh, hey, guys, new patron here. I wonder if you could discuss games that have addressed certain political climates successfully or not. Much like some games are active in gender discussions like cyberpunk or communist regimes like Papers, Please, are there games that spoke to Watergate or the increase in identity politics after 9-11, aside from war games uh, like Call of Duty? Uh, thanks for the great shows. Boy, do I not have a good answer for this, and I'm embarrassed about it. I don't want to ignore this because it's an old question, but I also – I don't know. So it's it's, it's weird because like the, the, there is a there's a strain of games specifically that came out of Japan or Capcom um, after 9-11 that commented on the war, the war on terror, but only tertiarily. So like mm -hmm. Resident Evil 4 is is a you know part of the response to Leon as an American agent is in you know the the light of the way the world views American adventurism after 9/11. Um Killer 7 uh weirdly is about a fallout from the war on terror uh to to okay. to, to a large degree. Um yeah, just the, the, those are two examples that I can that, that that come to mind like right away. Uh, but I don't, mm -hmm. I don't necessarily have any other like huge answers for that. Uh, like, I don't know, like, you know, specifically a game that looks at Watergate. However, like I know I haven't played this, but I know mafia three, 
is is uh you know it's not like a you know Italian mom like who took my cigar but you know you play as a black person dealing with the with with mob kind of stuff in the South in the sixties like during yeah. during the civil rights era right yeah. You know, yeah. so there are certainly examples of things that, that kind of use that as a setting, but it, I don't have deep catalog for it. Yeah. Mafia 3 is a good poll. Like, I haven't played that yet, but I have mm-hmm. it. And it's waiting for me. Yeah. I'm curious about it. Yeah. No, so. it, it'd be fun to beat up some racists in a video game. Yeah. Yeah. Always. always fun. <laughs> so, yeah, I, 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 yeah, there's a good answer for this. I wish I had more yeah. to contribute, but I think you covered uh, it. Around the same time as Mafia 3, Watch Dogs 2 is kind of about the um, Internet of Things dystopia. Tech. Yeah. You know. Yeah. The, the, the tech startup yeah. kind of stuff. Yep. Um, it's so weird. Like I, I recognize that that game is probably good and I mm-hmm. should play it, but I was so like, just absolutely repulsed and uninterested in Watch Dogs one. <laughs> and just the fact that it's a totally different thing is just like, it's hard, it's hard, hard for to, me to internalize. Yeah. I understand that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. Um, Matthew writes, I'm curious what Call of Cthulhu Mythos stuff you'd recommend outside of Lovecraft's actual works. My interest has been piqued by Unfilmable, and rather than revisit stuff I've already read, I was wondering what you might recommend. I'm talking any media, really. Movies, though you're already already covering that. Uh, Comics, games, but chiefly books and stories. Thanks. Yeah. Um, I, I, this is a boring answer for this, but I think that a really good way to dip your toes in this are compilations. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I read uh, a couple of like modern short story collections of mythos stuff, and I also read a book called Shadows Over Baker Street, which mm-hmm. are uh, Sherlock Holmes stories that take place in the mythos. Yep, which was a fun little you know mashup. Like if I was a T-shirt, I would hate it, but <laughs> as a as a book, it was pretty fun. Right. Um. I, and that kind of gives you an idea. Um. You know what authors. Uh, that you might want to check out. Um, I, then I completely failed to actually go and read those authors' books. I just like their <laughs> stories that I like yeah. uh, from them. And that was kind of how I've sampled other literature stuff in the mythos, yes. other than dipping my toes a little bit and do some, some Ramsey Campbell uh, stuff, mm-hmm. uh, which is all pretty good. Yeah. The, the Severn Valley uh, Goat with a Thousand Young stuff is actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I, I would echo the compilations, you know, I've talked in the past about, um, a compilation that I got called the Haster cycle, uh, which is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of incorporates things related to Haster. That's part of a longer series by chaosium. Uh, there's the Narlathotep cycle. There's the Sathagwa cycle, uh, things like that. Um, uh, there's one called in the court of the yellow King, uh, that is by various, uh, various people, uh, things related to Carcosa. Um, yeah. And then, uh, another one, like, I don't know, weirdly, you can go through the Malleus Monstor- Monstrorum, look for, you know, <laughs> read, uh, the, the entries that you think might sound cool and then look at the authors that come from there. Like there's a compilation called Cthulhu 2000 that has, uh, that has Mr. Shiny in it. Just the story with Mr. Yeah. Shiny, you know? And one of the worst names for a book. <laughs> one of one of the worst names. Yes, Cthulhu Two Thousand is a very bad name for a book, but it's uh, yeah. but it's for sale on Kindle, so it's not that. Uh, it is it is not that hard. You don't to, have to. Uh, no one has to see the cover. Yeah, yeah. So nobody has to see you reading Cthulhu Two Thousand. Yes. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, specifically for comics, I don't want to steal your thunder, Gary, but um, Neonomicon mm-hmm. slash Courtyard um oh, yeah. slash uh slash provenance like neonomicon mm-hmm. like that, that that was written first that stands alone really really well like you can the courtyard you was could, written first 
Oh, was it? Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that. first. Yeah, yeah. It was, it's old. Like, it was actually, like, a pretty old comic, and he did a follow-up to it a little, like, quite a bit later. Gotcha. gotcha. It was a short story, actually. Yeah. So. Uh, Neonomcon is a really easy putt. You can, you know, it's just a trade paperback. You can read it over the course of an hour and have, have fun. There are <laughs> cool ideas in it. You don't need to be, like, necessarily invested in getting, you know, omnibuses of, uh, of Providence. Yeah. Uh, quick content warning on Neonomicon. Yes. Um, yeah. There, Important. There's, there's some, some heavy stuff in it. Like, I, I like it. Um, we've talked about it uh, before on the thing. I, you know, there are people who find it beyond the pale. I do not find it gratuitous or bad. I don't think you're bad if your opinion is different, but just know that there is some um, really heavy sex stuff. Yes. In it. Uh, is... Partly because Alan Moore is a weird old pervert. Uh, so. Yeah. No, that, 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 thank you. Thank you for bringing that to mind. It has been a long time since, since I read it. Yeah. Um, I, there's a really pretty good, uh, mythos, uh, book from boom studios that I used to have the omnibus for, and now is incredibly expensive and hard to find. And mm-hmm. I sold it, uh, called fall of Cthulhu, hmm. um, that ha- suffers from some dodgy art has some less perfect, like kind of ideas in it, but also has a bunch of really cool ideas in it. Um, and has really like a really pretty great, uh, version of Nyarlathotep in it. A really, uh, it's my favorite stuff that's been done with the dreamlands. Okay. Um, really cool dreamlands the colors are really queasy like i think it actually like sells what that would look like and why that's cool better than any dreamland stories do um i think that's a fun comic and uh it's explicitly lovecraftian both of those things are explicitly in mythos yes you know they're not inspired by but they're uh yeah yeah well what what was the latter one called can you remind uh fall of cthulhu fall of cthulhu gotcha yeah, it is. Uh, it is kind of hard to find uh, in the big omnibus edition. Yeah, uh, nowadays because Boom Studios is a small studio, but it's uh, it's cool. I would like to reread it. I've been kind of half looking for that omnibus, you know, at used bookstores, and mm-hmm. even though I sold it for like sixty bucks, I would probably, you know, I probably spend that to get it back. It's yeah, just much yeah. more expensive now. Yeah, no, the omnibus is like uh, looking at it on Amazon. It's like ninety six dollars right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a it's it's spendy. Mm-hmm. So and it's not it's not a huge book. It's actually like a, a small size omnibus. Mm-hmm. It's weird. It's a little book. Yeah. So it's weird. Cool. Um, should we uh, do one more media one and then move on to show questions? Yes. Yeah. Let's do that. What, what makes sense? Yeah, that sounds good. Mm-hmm. Um, what is a good one here? We kind of did. Uh, this is re- just real quick. Uh, Sean Dorsey asked a couple questions about uh, being the first time playing D anD D and asking for some tips. Um, we kind of covered a little bit of that mm-hmm. um but just you know how to get out of this uh, mindset that you have to win mm-hmm. um is that it's it's not a game really right. you know like it is a game but it's 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 more collaborative storytelling i think yeah. um and at least uh you know and it's uh they're just your friends and the stakes are so low mm-hmm. you know uh it's uh so getting out of that mindset is a little bit tricky but just know that like i think that the reframing the whole thing is not not saying you win yeah you know i think is is probably uh the best way to kind of come into it and think agreed think about it yeah yeah um and then well there's a there's a second part of that real quick that's why i I brought that up as the media um which is uh what is the best or favorite video games that give a similar feeling to tabletop um and that's that's tricky uh because the the story stuff never quite does Mm mm-hmm you know, like uh, sitting at the table is like this largely, in my experience, is a lot of times like a mostly improvised and uh, more importantly, very collaborative mm-hmm. experience. Like you're making decisions as a group. So like what an adventuring party does in D&D is not the same as what a choice I would make while playing a video game ever. Right. Um, it is more it's like a gestalt thing with me and my friends coming together to decide what we think makes the most sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is 
you know, I'm coming to believe that's the hardest thing to replicate yeah. in a video game. Um, evidently, because um, it's not been done well that I know yeah, of. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mechanically, there's lots of games mm-hmm. that feel like that. And to me, like a lot of times games with strong action economies feel like that, like a turn-based kind of action economies. So things mm-hmm. like Divinity Original Sin 2 or even XCOM yeah. feel a lot like playing certain types of tabletop combat to me. Mm-hmm. I think that the, uh, like, you know, something like what the Temple of Elemental Evil or uh, mm-hmm. something like that, where it's a straight up, like, adaptation of the system, that that might not necessarily mm-hmm. be the best way to go to get into that. Although it is, uh, you know, it is a way to it's very accurate u- to use your knowledge of the rules to help you play the game. I think that tactical games like, I don't know, Final Fantasy Tactics feels really similar to yeah. 3.5 era D&D to me, you know, totally. totally yeah and then in terms of like capturing the flavor even though it doesn't capture that collaborative decision making or the choice structure like Mm -hmm. something you know like like a Baldur's gate 2 yeah captures an epic D &D, like a year of campaigning Mm -hmm. like what the things you might do yeah in that and that kind of a little that flavor pretty well i think yes um yeah I, i don't i don't have anything more to add on that it's a it's it's an interesting problem that has just never been really quite solved Mm -hmm. Uh, Uh, which is probably fine because i just go to those things for different things yeah you know it's fine i go to games for a different feeling yeah yeah uh let's see here super sweet writes hey guys i've been wondering if you ever feel the pressure guys (laughs) i can't say hey guys not like greg (laughs) (laughs) i just i I have to say hey guys like greg Greg turkington now yeah. Like it's, and I didn't realize that the way he said that was a joke <laughs> until in, yeah. until watching Mr. America, and that's how he butts into every scene. <laughs> it's really funny. It's really good. Hey guys, we moved on to show questions here. Sorry. Uh, super sweet. Hey guys, uh, I've been. <laughs> that that, like those two words can't be a joke um i've been wondering if you ever feel pressure of time constraint you guys go through so many games in depth and put out these high quality podcasts so frequently uh all the while attending different events and maintaining a personal life Mm. uh do you ever feel overwhelmed (laughs) (laughs) um sure yeah yeah absolutely frequently sometimes stuff gets down you know uh down to the wire you know i just events conspired to make it that so that i had to like cram deus ex human revolution um Mm -hmm. that's fine i still like that game quite a bit i i i hope uh i i think that and i hope that i've gotten good at separating those things separating time crunch away from my analysis of the game evaluation yeah I think I think that we both have done it long enough that we can be as aware as you can be. Yeah. You know about that stuff and can separate as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Um, my uh, the thing that happens to me and this is my rhythm is I get uh, very far ahead. Uh, because I have a constant compulsion to I end up in mind states very frequently where the only thing that releases like good feel chemicals for my brain is work. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I get very far ahead and then I overestimate how ahead I am. Mm-hmm. And then I relax, quote unquote. I go into, right. uh, I don't think I've relaxed a day in my life. But I, 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 I start I worrying about something else. 
Yes, I, I find a fresh hell. Um, and then I, uh, I, I I worry about that or I go into a depression fugue state, mm-hmm. gaming fugue state, which I've been on one of my real greatest tears of depression <laughs> gaming, like in, in memory uh, for maybe the last three weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been pretty intense, guys. <laughs> uh, so the, the, my depression gaming has been I'm 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 reaching highs that I haven't reached since like ninth grade i'm 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 not uh, laughing that, so. because you are depressed i'm laughing at how you are expressing this you, yeah, because no, you are no, expressing it as a joke just just so people don't think i'm being yeah. a callous asshole no no <laughs> it, it's it's fine it's a yeah. uh, it's it's i'm i'm also i will be okay i yeah. just don't uh you know i'm i'm you know, there's just like times in your life like i imagine if you looked at like somebody's entire life like a mm-hmm. uh like a mosaic and there would just be like one part that just this like black and brown smudge <laughs> and then you would you would reference a graph and that tells you how many times you're showering per week during that smudge. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and I'm in the, I'm in the like averaging about three times a week smudge right now. Gotcha. Two to three, gotcha. You know? Yeah. Uh, so, so not super great. Um, so I get into those things. I make room for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I have to kind of panic. Like right now we're starting to record stuff for next, uh, next, next month, next mm-hmm. or next episode. And I have some work to do yeah, yeah. on that this week. Mm-hmm. Um, I got pretty far ahead and, and also for bonfireside chat. Like I need to actually sit down and really play blasphemous. Yeah. Um, I've got some stuff. Mm-hmm. So I do definitely end up feeling overwhelmed. Yeah. I, I do just occasionally stop and think, how the fuck did I do this? And also have like a more than full-time job. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, Absolutely. What in the world? It was all I did. I was like r- really, really depressed about it. Yeah. You know, I was like, I was very, you know, I, I had a really hard time with it. So mm-hmm. I did it, but I wasn't, I wasn't good. No. Yeah. You know, it wasn't good. Yeah. So, um, yeah. so, so yes, uh, we do, we do get time, time constraints, time crunch. Yep. Absolutely. Um, and then, uh, and maintaining it is just, um, you know, mm. uh, planning. Yeah. Planning. Um, do it, doing my best pushing through willpower. Yeah. Um, Dan says, uh, how long does it take to edit an episode of watch out for fireballs? Uh, what are the tricky parts where you tend to source the music for games, uh, from, uh, from, uh, where do you tend to source the music from this? Uh, because that can sometimes be difficult. Yeah. Uh, to answer the last question first, YouTube generally, um, yeah. if, if there's no good, if there's nothing good on there, it like, it gets way more difficult. Um, specifically like i remember editing the callahan's crosstime saloon episode but there's only mm. one there's only one song of that uh from that that's available on youtube and that's the drunkard song the one that opens up mm. um everything else i had to like go on to some really shady sites and download the dot midi files uh import mm. those into logic and then export them as mp3s in order, in order to put them in the show yeah <laughs> yeah it was it was a lot yes you guys need to get MIDI capable ponos and then we won't have to do that bullshit. The, um, the, uh, yeah. Um, generally the same, same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then sometimes just, just a Google, like if, if YouTube is giving me shit, yeah. um, sometimes you can just find a blog. Yeah. That yeah, just that has, has a, a shady zip that I'll, I'll roll the dice on. Yep. No, you just roll the you dice know? on the, on the Google drive link that somebody puts up. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. This seems legit. Yeah. Um, I love, uh, yeah, I love Google. Um, <laughs> The uh so so you click on poison links mm-hmm. uh is part of it and then it's how long it takes uh, it depends mm-hmm. um on how many cuts there are so like how many mistakes we make how long it is how much music there is mm-hmm. um typically like I take breaks during this and stuff so I I I'm a real real slow paced mm-hmm. editor like I tend to multitask while I do it yeah, yeah. um so it generally takes me about an hour yeah uh, I, to do I, that but I I'm budget. also like in between getting up and getting snacks and 
yeah doing shit like that I, I budget about an hour to do it and that includes like export and things like that and that might not sound like an awful lot it used to be a lot more um when we did sketches that used to be the most time consuming thing um yeah uh but you know just and, but, and then before we did markers oh like, god yeah, in the early like the first like year of the show like it was it was real time plus mm-hmm. so like for every hour of the show i felt like it probably was it was more than an hour yeah. of editing yeah you know um so and we started out with doing shorter episodes and we started getting longer and longer and there mm-hmm. were definitely times where i'd be like well i'm clearing out this afternoon like yes i'm going to edit this from 12 to 4 mm-hmm. you know um and it, it's tedious work mm-hmm. and there's no uh there's no replay value in it is the way i like to put it so if there's a mistake <laughs> and you lose progress it is the most demoralizing thing in the world yeah uh it is not fun to do twice mm-hmm. um the times i have had to re-edit something it's, uh, it's is horrible it's wonderful that that uh audacity has gotten more stable <laughs> way, way way better because it used to crash with some frequency yeah uh now it barely ever crashes um but mm-hmm. it is a thing where, like, losing your work for any reason. Sometimes that's just user error. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, it can be it can be very frustrating. Or your computer, like, there's a power outage or some shit. I've had that happen. Yep. So it happened to me um, once, and I went yes. and I bought a, a UPC. <laughs> so yeah, yep. Because <sighs> uh, it, it's uh, it's it's bad. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Not too long ago, it's actually you know pretty pretty manageable, comparatively yeah, manageable. Good. By far, the thing that is the largest time consumption thing is actually playing through the games. Yes. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Matt Bixler. Hello. Uh, writes, how much data about the show do you guys take in? Listener numbers, responses, quote, engagement for uh, for want of a less poison term. And how much does it factor into what you do with the show? Uh, not very much. Uh, something that I really like about podcasts, actually, uh, at least ones that are served through RSS, is that you don't gather an awful lot of data about people. Uh, I don't necessarily like I wouldn't want and wouldn't know what to do with like, you know, this is this is uh, where somebody stopped listening in the show. Like, I I feel like that is a huge breach of privacy, actually. And a real way to absolutely drive ourselves fucking mad. Uh Can you imagine like recording an episode and having to keep in mind, like actually around this time is when people stop listening. So we have to really razzle dazzle that up Mm -hmm. and having that in the back of your mind the entire time we recorded. That's how you get YouTube. Hell, Do you want YouTube? Because that's how YouTube happens. (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's youtube all over this shit right it, it's uh that would that would literally drive me mad mm-hmm. uh the uh and and it is it is so against like our kind of uh stance and philosophy to make decisions based on things like that like mm-hmm. we do do uh things that for want of a less disgusting poison term to use your your thing like market research things like mm-hmm. when we'll be like hey which of these games should we cover next or what are things that you care about uh, for Patreon, and we'll sometimes make decisions based on that. Yeah, but yeah. down to that granular level, like typically the thing that has served us well and that we have to do mm-hmm. um, is find the thing that is uh, a we want to do. Yep. Uh, B is sustainable in terms of workload. Yeah. You know, uh, that's when you look at things like um, Bonfire Side Chat going back to its original schedule of every two weeks mm-hmm. after Sekiro. Like I know some people are probably bummed out about that. At the same time, that's the auspices we brought it back, and we were. A, what we want to do, B, what we think is sustainable. Those yeah, are always yeah. going to have to be the the driving forces mm-hmm. um, behind behind everything. Yeah. Um, otherwise, the the whole thing will fall apart. It won't work. Mm-hmm. So in terms of like things that I look at and things that I keep track of, it like, you know, the, the, the secondary things are like, you know, seven day and 30 day download totals for a given episode. 
Um, but the primary one, and I, this is going to sound gross and I don't mean it to sound gross. It's literally just number of patrons and the, um, you know, the, the Patreon total, that is mm-hmm. the, that is the metric that, that I feel like we have the most to be able that, that, that is the, the metric we have the most control over, mm-hmm. <laughs> like trying to maximize the number of downloads that we get is not something we have a lot of control over, but we have levers to change, to incentivize people to, uh, patronize and, um, stay patronized, you know, keep patronizing us, you know? And, and even that is something where we can kind of try to influence it, but we're competing with a world of factors that are like, uh, somebody getting a raise or not, mm-hmm. or somebody losing their job or not, or somebody yeah, having a yeah. kid or not, or somebody moving into a more expensive apartment or not, mm-hmm. things like that, that we're not going to try to compete with. And we think it's, uh, I think it's obscene. Uh, uh, yeah. Unseen, uh, unseen, yeah. <laughs> uh, obscene for sure at best unseemly to try yeah. and pressure people. All we can, all we can do is try and incentivize, incentivize yep. the right things. So wherever like the, the proper point is between like, we want to do it, we can do it and you want to hear it. Mm-hmm. And we just try to find the center of that. Yeah. Uh, and there are only certain ways that like data helps with that. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it, if people are digging what we do, we do see it in the Patreon primarily, but it's not something that we, uh, adjust on that granular of a level. Right. Um, yeah. at least which, cause I don't feel like it's a good use of time and it mm-hmm. does feel gross and invasive and like, yeah. and it's really easy to get it's to cool court. We don't have to, <laughs> it's great that we yeah. don't have to. Yeah. You know, I can't yeah. imagine like if we, were on being, YouTube, we would have to, yeah, we would have to chase that algorithm. We would have to adjust a bunch of stuff. Um, we, you know, oh. I, I, I like serving the audience as opposed to the algorithm, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I feel like I cut you off there. No, no, that's the, uh, that, that, that's all that I had. Don't worry. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, moving on. This is actually a great, I wish I had said this earlier on a dispatch. This should have been a dispatch a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, on to says, uh, for those of us potentially thinking about jumping onto the watch out for fireballs, executive producer tier, which is when you get to pitch a game. What is that process like? Um, and, uh, yeah, so I can, uh, and there's some follow up questions, but I just want to answer that. Yeah. Uh, real quick. Um, because I, I should have answered that before. We have a pretty set process for this. Um, I have a basically a form message uh, that I send, um, and it says uh, our criteria, which is uh, we, we ask for three picks. Mm-hmm. Um, typically, people send them to us weighted, but I don't include that verbiage anymore right. um, because I don't want to set up like a feeling of like, oh, like we're choosing your number three pick, and that's a, a slight. Right. Um, we just three picks, you know, um, equally weighted yeah. as best you can that you want us to cover um that uh we can do in one episode mm-hmm. so that can be you know roughly uh you know we i love like a 12-hour game but like 20 is basically the the tops like yeah. you can suggest other yeah. things but it's more likely that we're going to do it um and uh able to play like easy to get a hold of it's not like it's something that we you know is going to be like very difficult to play yes you know, like a windows 95 game that is impossible to emulate mm-hmm. kind of thing yeah um and then uh, once we get those, I run those by Cole. Mm-hmm. Um, we look at our schedule. We see what uh, we can fit into our schedule. And we look at factors like um, how, like obviously how long it will take to play, mm-hmm. how interested we are in it, whether we have things we want to say about it, mm-hmm. and like whether it interferes with something else we already have planned. Right, right. So if we just did uh, – so so for example, we just did Alan Wake and somebody uh, in their list of things they suggested, they suggested control. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just – I don't want to put – two remedy games that close to each other on the schedule, right. like just a couple months apart. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, that just feels like a little silly to me and we're going to be constantly making comparisons. I think it'll make a worse episode. I think mm-hmm. having some breathing room right there. So I was like, let's not, let's not do that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
you know, and then uh, we pick based on that. And then I check in with the patron and make sure they're okay with it. Mm-hmm. And then uh, assuming they're okay with it, then uh, we just go for it. Yeah. Um, so. I, I, I'm trying to think back. I don't think, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think there's ever been a time where somebody has sent over three, three possibilities and we're like, nope, nope, nope. Like we generally, like we've always gone with mm-hmm. one that they've given us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I can't really imagine saying, you know, unless somebody is like literally bad faithing us, mm-hmm. you know, I choose Final Fantasy 13, one, two and three, you know, like unless somebody is like just trolling us. I can't imagine a situation where we have to reject. It's a weird use and of the money. Nice thing about, that's what I was going to say. Like the weird, the nice thing about that costing money is that like hopefully people aren't using it to to do that to us. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's a, a yeah, so that's basically it. And I would encourage people, you know, it, it's a conversation. Yeah. You're going back and forth. Like every once in a while, if someone will make a joke and they're like, oh, I can't wait until I have the savings to, to fuck the boys over with Kingdom Hearts or something. And it's like, well, it probably wouldn't happen. Like, no, no, we're we... still people. We still have to go through it. And mm-hmm. like it is it is as far as Patreon goes, it's a spicy meatball, mm-hmm. you know, it's like 150 bucks. But also uh, of that, that's like 60 bucks to me. And mm-hmm. I don't feel like it is bragging to be like my time is worth more than $60 for 30 hours. Mm hmm. You know, like yeah, uh, yeah. Just, just being like, well, you know, you don't necessarily get to buy me for 60 bucks. Like <laughs> you get to suggest something that like we're going to make an episode out of it. We are taking it as a suggestion. It's something you're going to be able to hear sooner and we're going to give it our treatment. Yeah. But it's not like uh, it's not you just get to ask me to do something. Right. And then I just do it for for mm-hmm. what is ultimately not that much money. Right. You know. Yeah. It's it's um, it's less about it like coming to us and it's more, you know, paying to steer the show into into that game. Yeah. Yeah. Steering the show is a really good way to put it. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's uh um and uh and who also says um of the games that we've covered at that tier, um, were there ones were most of them games we'd eventually would have covered down the line, or which were picks that were not on your radar? Um, I would say like maybe half and half. Yeah, just about like there's stuff that that like I that we've gotten suggested that I can't uh, couldn't imagine us not doing, but weren't we've never if somebody uh, patronized us and it was something that we had on the schedule already, I wouldn't take their money for that. No, no. You know, I would be like, no, we're already going to do that. Like, just mm-hmm. you know, we'll choose their second thing. Yeah. So like, I didn't imagine a a history of the show where we never did Alan Wake. Mm-hmm. You know, or like, or we never did. I thought that wasn't a, a request. And um, what was I thinking of? Um, Alan Wake was a, was a was a request. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, sorry. I, I forgot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't picture a version of the show where we'd never do Alan Wake, mm-hmm. but I, we didn't have it planned for this year. Right. You know, we probably would not have done it this mm-hmm. year. Um, and uh, or like uh, something. And, and then so that happens. And then the, as far as stuff that is not on our radar, like tons of stuff. Mm-hmm. So like uh, hit and run um, when we did. Uh, what was that? Semi Diablo like PC game. Oh, Knox. Yeah. <laughs> Knocks. We did knocks. You know, like there's lots of stuff like that that is like certainly not on our radar. But mm-hmm. I was really happy to like get a chance to talk about. Yeah, yeah. Or you know, just like it, it's it's jumping in the queue. So it like it seemed like it would make sense to do an EDF game at a you know at a certain point. Mm-hmm. But then we just you know like it just they got us off our ass to do it. You know, when when yeah. somebody patronized that month. You know, and, and who knows when that would have happened, right? right. So like. uh it's it's we we cover a lot of games in a year, but ultimately there are so many games and there are more new ones coming out all the time that like we're always going to be behind. So there is a chance some stuff where I'm like, oh, yeah, I definitely imagine us doing that someday for the show. Mm-hmm. Maybe never happens. Right. You know, either because uh, for some reason or another, the show goes away, which I'm not planning. I don't want to have happen, but just, you know, life <laughs> happens. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, one of us like has our hands broken or something. The, the only um, thing I can guarantee the, is that we won't be here forever. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So like something like that happens. So it does kind of jump the queue mm-hmm. and, uh, and that's a really good way. But I like, I like it when we find surprises in that. Yeah. Like I like it when it's like, Oh, I've always heard about that. Like as much as like hit and run was a mixed bag, as far as mm-hmm. the play experience, I was really happy to do that because I never, it never would occur to me to be like, Oh, that weird, you know, pretty good Simpsons game from the PS2 era. I'm just going to bust that out, even though mm-hmm. I don't have any nostalgia for it. Right. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Is this me? Yes, it is. This is, this is you. Okay. Uh, let's hear. Kevin writes, when you schedule games for WAF or Adaptation Decay, how much do you try to sync it up with relevant new releases? For example, your Wolfenstein episode came out right about the time Wolfenstein Youngblood came out. Also, do you get a bump in your downloads when you do this? All of that is by accident. <laughs> mm-hmm. Can you think of a time where, yeah. where we've actually like, you know, programmed like that? Um, yeah, I, I, I'm sure we have, I yeah. feel like I remember some time where we've been like, the sequel is coming out. Let's catch a little bit of that heat. Yeah. Um, but I don't, it's, it's never had an effect. And also when we do catch that heat, it's a, I mean, the, the thing that's closest to that is like, we did Dishonored 2 pretty closely after it came out. Yes. You know, that wasn't like us, uh, coinciding it, but we've never synergized. Like mm-hmm. we've done a game. When a sequel comes out, we've never done an adaptation decay at the same time we've done something else. We've talked about it, mm-hmm. uh, but it's never, it doesn't have an effect. Right. Or anything like that. Yeah. Um, there's, you know, the, the, there's see also that question about metrics. So. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, occasionally this is a thing that we've noticed. We will cover a game and then a couple of weeks after that, or around the time the episode comes out, there'll be a new story about a, a sequel or a remake or things of that nature that come out. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, just blue, blue car syndrome or whatever, uh, where you just notice that, uh, it, where, where sometimes it feels like we are, uh, we are causing things to happen in the news by covering it on the show. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I'm gonna, let's do some lightning rounds and then get into the topic. Yes. Let's do, <clears throat> uh, Andrew says, uh, quickie, which character do you love more JC or Geralt? Um, Ger- I'm going to go JC. I'm going to go Geralt. But that's me. Yep. Yep. Uh, classic, classic <laughs> tension. <laughs> um let's fight no it's it's lightning round we can go uh andrew writes what is the absolute worst part or parts of one of or a few of your favorite games worst part of your favorite um, games uh the, the the sewers and bloodlines is worse than anything that happens in torment <laughs> yeah and worse than the end mm-hmm. like the sewer and bloodline is pretty inexcusable yeah yeah um pathologic playing it Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. No, there's lots, lots of horseshit in that. The, uh, <laughs> the, the constantly dying or getting to like day three before you know that you're fucked. Yep. Just when the story is getting good, but you didn't manage your food well enough early on. So fuck you. <laughs> uh, is a pretty bad feeling. Yeah. Um, yeah, those are answers. Yeah. Uh, Who would win in a fight? Uh, this is Matt. Mm-hmm. Um, club, fight club rules, bare knuckle, no shirts, no shoes. First one to tap out loses. I think we'd both immediately tap out to not do it. Yep. Um, <laughs> So I think that we'd, whatever that situation is, we'd be like, haha, we both immediately tapped out and then jigsaw within like skin us or whatever he was planning to do anyway. Right. What is that situation? Because he so, would have done it anyway, regardless of if we fought. Because he's making a huge rug. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, uh, like, um, I need a tarp for my van. <laughs> Uh, and the best kind of tarp is water resistant podcaster. Yep. So. <laughs> ne- ne- never, never touched by the sun. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
David so writes. Supple. He's never worked with his hand. <laughs> the, um... uh, David writes from soft offers to make NPCs in your likenesses and include them in Elden rings. Uh, and you are allowed to pick who, what, or where you are. What do you pick? Uh, it's sad that this never happened. Mm-hmm. I feel like if we were YouTubers, it would have. Yeah. Um, the, um, I don't know. I think it'd be fun to be a merchant. Uh, I'll be a merchant. I I want to be a character who immediately dies a very embarrassing death or mm-hmm. like who recently like died. Sir, sir shits himself or whatever. <laughs> yep. like, no, sure, no, sure, I, just, I just, I just want to be, I want to be an unfortunate corpse. Basically. I want to be, mm-hmm. I want to be that skeleton in Medulla, yeah. but it's like still recognizable so be, to me somehow. That'd be a good, yeah, that'd be a good one. Ginger skeleton. <laughs> the, um, the, uh, John says, are there real life loca- uh, locations, past, present, or imagined future that uh, you've been really excited visiting in a digital ge- form in a game, or have you always wanted to see? Uh, my example being Singapore, by the way. Yes, John, um, John's this is land, being. but oh, yeah, yeah, uh, just John's answer. Um, yeah, not my my answer. Mm-hmm. Um, this is really bland, but um, I really want a good video game thing that's set in uh, areas I'm very familiar with, which mm-hmm. would mean like Portland or my hometown of DeKalb, Illinois. Yeah. <laughs> like I want, I want fallout Portland pretty, pretty badly. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. All, um, all those MIT people got it. They, 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 yeah. they, they got their fallout game. Those, all, they got all, multiple ones. All like those... They go over to Washington. <laughs> right. Like, fuck man. Ugh, man. No. Yeah. I don't know. Just, just from like an interest perspective, uh, it would be, I, I've, I've generally wanted to play a game set in like the, the Russian revolution. So, you know, hmm. Uh, teens pre World War One era uh, Russia would be would be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Always wanted the, uh, the the Assassin's Creed game set there. Honestly, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mister um, Rusty writes: If Greta and Pocket get married, would that make the two of you brothers? How do you think it would affect the network? Uh, that implies think- that Greta and Pocket are our parents. <laughs> yeah, I, that makes them our parents, as opposed to us being then. Like father-in-law, like yeah. I would be Greta's father-in-law, mm-hmm. and you would be Pocket's father-in-law. I think, which is weird because I already consider myself Pocket's uncle. Yeah, yeah, it'd be really strange. Yeah, you know, uh, cat incest. <laughs> yeah, um, Pocket's Pocket gets much younger than Greta, right? Uh, how, how old is Greta? Uh, Greta was about a year when I got her, so she she's probably you, what about six months older than Pocket. Okay, so not that much, right? Yeah, you know, it's a uh, yeah. Um, but it would make it would make us uh, fathers-in-law. Yeah, um, I don't like think it would be with Kevin James <laughs> and, uh, and Adam Sandler or whatever. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, I don't think it would affect very much. I, I don't even yeah. think they would know it if we had them marry each other. Oh, the pocket would know. <laughs> okay. Also, prima nocta. So the, uh, there's all kinds of things. That Jesus. <laughs> Please don't invoke prima nocta on the cat, Gary. Yuck. It's just petting. <laughs> okay. It's, uh, it's, just, right. it's just the night before. Like, you get to do oh, all yeah. kinds of stuff. Oh, yeah. Like, it doesn't have to be fucking. I could just change her litter box and give her some snugs. So. <laughs> she would yeah. like that. She would like that. Tis the king's right. <laughs> um. <laughs> she doesn't like the laser pointer, but she loves the, uh, she loves the, wand with a feather on the end of it just so you know mm-hmm. i'm giving you tips on um, how to please my cat like marcellus wallace's wife <laughs> uh lewis shaw says uh, can you think of anything more boring than a video game protagonist named jake or alex this is not a rhetorical question um, a, a video, game, boring... video game protagonist named john hi 
I'm John, and this is my this is my uh, adventuring partner, Christopher. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Jake and Alex and John are all pretty bland names. Yeah, uh, you never the most common names. Uh, you never see like there's lots of there's no like Brian's mm. in a game, and that's an extremely common name. Yeah, yeah. lots of Aidens though. Yeah, weird. Yeah. I've never met an Aiden in real life. Uh, you're not hanging around enough middle schools. Oh, I un, undoubtedly not. Okay, taking hanging out enough, front enough. Thank you. <laughs> so I've been thinking that for years. Cool. Um, <laughs> uh, and finally, uh, Soren says, "What would you tattoo on your co-host to drive them nuts?" I'm talking a Mister Bear walking, uh, waking up with a Star Wars tattoo, like breakdown, like when they saw it. Yeah. Uh, and there's a link to an equid, a relevant equid strip. Yes. Uh, to that, um, I would get tattooed prominently on Gary's body. I hate Bloodborne. Oh, sure. Yeah. Somewhere somebody could see, too. No. Prominently, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, Very, very prominently. Um, I might, I might, like, I don't know, do something like, uh, like, tattoo and Cole's tramp stamp in, like, Joker Man (laughs) font exit only or something. (laughs) (laughs) Just weird, just just putting on my body weird stances about sex yeah just, uh, you know yeah because i mean not not in a gay panic way but just in no. a kind of like boy like i <laughs> really uncomfortable oh yeah, yeah I, huh, huh. You know? <laughs> uh, and it's a tramp stamp so you wouldn't be able to see it that much but i think that it would probably mean that you'd start wearing higher pants probably... not that you wear really low pants but you'd have to because like what if your parents saw that you know <laughs> well no like because i wouldn't see it i would forget that it's there and then, you know, oh, I just, yeah. and that's the thing. Like I'd, I'd bend over and my shirt would hike up and somebody would say, <laughs> so, so funny. And I, have to, like, what it, <laughs> and I would have to explain to them like, okay, so no, I'm not gay, but also I don't hate no, gay there, people. Yeah, so like, Yeah. But I, I'd be, I never tried it. It might be great. But also there was, there was a Patreon question. So yeah. like, I, had to do it. <laughs> I didn't get a choice in it. It was specifically meant to get me into this situation. And by asking me this question, you have, uh, let my enemies win. <laughs> played, played right into their hands. Yeah. Um, yeah. Jesus. Um, oh. um, yeah. So let's move on to our topic. Let's do it. Um, and this was not suggested as a topic. Mm-hmm. It's just we thought it would be a good topic. Yeah, kind of a good, a uh, little bit, a little bit, uh, a little bit of a pair uh, to last month's mm-hmm. topic a little bit. Because mm-hmm. uh, um, so two two questions speak to this. Yes. Um, you know, so we want to uh, to to kind of hit uh, both of them, kind of roll them together, and I just want to mention both of them because uh, I want both people to to know that their questions are being answered. Mm-hmm. I hear. So I'll go ahead and just read both of them and then we'll kind of start the discussion. Yeah. Or I'll read the first one. You can read the second one. Yeah, let's do that. Uh, Billy says, oftentimes the theme that comes up on the show is that above else, the way a game plays has to be fun and that good story and theming doesn't make up for gameplay that isn't enjoyable. See Psychonauts Night in the Woods, for example. How does this relate to games that are praised often but are also known for their less than ideal play? For example, Silent Hill 2 and Planescape Torment, games which are considered masterpieces by the general discourse but are also known for their below average gameplay. Not meant to be a gotcha, just curious about your thoughts. Of course you didn't mean that to be a gotcha. You boxed us in, but then you just cleaned it. You can't have it both ways, Billy. 
Yeah, geez, Billy. Um, and then Joe, what does Joe say that also is on a similar kind of theme? Yes. Uh, so I'm going to summarize Joe's response here just a little bit at the start. Um, it starts out, you know, something in the discourse right now uh, is whether or not Death Stranding is fun or whether or not it has to be fun. Uh, if its intention is to elicit unconventional or displeasing emotions, such as uh, frustration, discomfort, grief, things like that. Since games are interactive, they have the potential to do something like this more than other media. What are your thoughts on this, especially because uh, mechanical satisfaction was a big talking point in the horror dispatch? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and of course, you know, if, it, if it's not obvious the way these, uh, the way that in my mind, at least I'm tying these questions together is something like, um, in the above example, mm -hmm. um, there are arguments, um, not so much with like psychonauts, uh, or torment that the tedium is intentional, but there are arguments that like the control scheme and arguments. I, I, I'm not saying that they're bad. Mm -hmm. Um, and something like resident evil, uh, is necessary or that the, the walking around parts and nights of the woods are necessary. Mm -hmm. Um, those are parts that are gameplay that are not enjoyable. So basically like what the topic being gameplay that is not enjoyable, uh, but to an effect, yeah, I guess, or to a point, how important is fun? Can, 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 can yeah. a game disclaim, can a game disclaim the necessity for being fun if it is trying to make a, a broader point? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I've got, I've got a, a short piece on it. Uh, and I can, I can start us if, uh, if you've, if you're okay with that. I, I would prefer if that you do. Shopping. Yeah. Yeah. If you, um, so I think that, uh, the answer, like the short answer is of course, Mm -hmm. Like games can create a lot of different emotions and there's lots of things that are equally or more valuable than fun. Mm -hmm. I think that to me, uh, and this is all subjective, you know, everything is subjective, but this is, this is certainly subjective is that, uh, the, the danger that I run into with things like this is that not all substitutes for fun are equal. Um, yeah. and I have a lot of patience for games trying to make me feel discomfort or grief or despair mm -hmm. and almost no patience for games trying to make me feel boredom. I think that making me feel tedium or frustration mm -hmm. is not a good substitute for fun and is not worth what you're paying right. and trying to make me feel despair or sadness or other things that are traditionally not fun are actually worthwhile goals. Yes. So distinct. Um, so the answer is yes, but not everything. <laughs> right. It's it's not all weighted equally. I think that I think that it has to be aiming for the right things, and it has to get you know a good a good portion of the way toward getting there. Right. Yeah. You know, it's dangerous. Yeah. Like it it is it is really a risk mm -hmm. to be like, hey, this part of the game is really really unfun. We know that it's to a point. Mm -hmm. Uh, you are, you're taking, I think in a game, like you're taking a really big gamble with that. And I know that the, you know, that can be frustrating to people who are just like, oh, you know, fun is a really short sighted, sighted goal for a game. Mm -hmm. Um, I, you know, I understand that argument from like an art and kind of indie perspective mm -hmm. at the same time. I think that is the reality of the world we're living in. And I think that, that, uh, you know, we talked earlier about having limited time to play games, you know, how much of it do I want to spend being like just purely frustrated, mm -hmm. you know? Like signing up for that choice, the the fact that that is a, a more complex carb means that I am less likely to be in the mood for it. Yeah, uh, which means I'm less likely to play it. Which means, and there's so many games, you know, that it just it's part of that inherent risk. God, so many of my analyses in these in these discussions kind of come down to different kinds of currency 
and the and the different ways mm-hmm. that they spend you, you know it's like going back to the difficulty question saying like yeah like that like there there are different there are different flavors of difficulty and they're gonna they're gonna have different conversion rates for a lot of people different kinds of horror here yeah no like fun fun it, it is something that you know just like that that will spend everywhere right that like that will generally mm-hmm. you know paper over a lot of things um and i think yeah. that even fun is like it's it's a little bit of a fraught way to talk about it as well when you know in the horror example specifically and then also you know talking about things like psychonauts and out of the woods versus silent hill or planescape torment like for me f- fun is not as salient of a of a of an analysis point um as mechanical theme and mechanic integration is mm-hmm. you know yeah <laughs> yeah like just uh, the the theme and the mechanic being integrated really really well um that like th- that is the sweet spot for me so like i don't necessarily when looking at night in the woods feel like the wandering around is is necessary for delivering uh the good stuff that that is you know that 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 game delivers right it i don't i don't see any connection between those two things as compared to you know the disempowerment in silent hill 2 i I, I feel i feel like that is very very integrated with james as a character and as a person you know yeah and with the genre yes you know like and just with uh you know being uh you know, and and the, the the example that I always use for that is, is more Resident Evil than Silent Two, Silent Hill, mm-hmm. just because it is more kind of combat focused. Yes. Than that, and having that kind of be like, this is a way to make combat that's actually pretty simple, mm-hmm. a little bit tricky. Yes. Um. You know, even though, and I I end up, but it's it's so hard to talk about that through this framing because I think that's actually really fun. Yeah. I think that that combat is very fun. Same. Um. And you 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 run into a tricky part with this too because you run into intentionality, mm-hmm. right? So like with Psychonauts. Uh, that was a part of this first question, so it doesn't necessarily tie into intentional frustration and grief, but mm-hmm. that was meant to be fun. Yeah. You know, the idea behind that platforming, like you're supposed to be having a blast mm-hmm. during that. Like you're supposed to have fun during the meat circus. Yeah. You know, that is, that's a failure of something it intended, mm-hmm. which is always going to be more damning than, su- you know, succeeding at something that is probably not worth what you bought. Right. 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 Like, I think that in Night in the Woods, I do think that the fact that it takes forever to get around is intentional. I think that what they wanted to do was give a sense of that town and make you have this uh, this feeling of like living here and Mm -hmm. getting to know it and all that stuff was was important. Mm -hmm. I don't think it was worth what they bought with it for me. Yeah. Like, I would have enjoyed that game a lot more without it. Mm-hmm. Like just full stop. And it, and I would have gotten the themes better. It would have made the, and I don't understand that the town is part of the themes. I would have gotten the, the themes that I did manage to get out of it. I would have got stronger and clearer and yeah. earlier and in a more positive mm-hmm. way without that. The sense so of the community is, comes through in the dialogue and in the individual places that you go. It doesn't come from the connective tissue of getting from point from A to point on B. Power lines. Right. Yeah. To, like, to, to me yeah. personally, like if I was like picking the locations from a menu that like it would have sufficed primarily because like the dialogue and characters and stuff are strong enough that, you know, it carries it, you know, it, yeah. it does. It doesn't need to lean on the exploration. Yeah. Yep. yep. Um, so it, it is, it's interesting because fun is, you know, when you talk about that being a bad word, like fun is, is, is a hard word in games kind yeah. of like criticism anyway, mm-hmm. and has been roundly uh, kind of criticized because it's non-descriptive. Mm-hmm. Like there are people who 
you know, walking around, jumping on those power lines in that game is incredibly fun to them. Like it mm-hmm. became part of this routine. They just like it. Yeah. Um, same thing. Um, I think a lot about um, the the daily grind in a Persona game, mm-hmm. uh, which is always what ends up stopping me from revisiting those games and not wanting to do, do them is the managing my social links during the day. Like that rhythm is fun for a while and then eventually becomes very tedious to me. Yeah. No. Um, you know, and it's, it's not the interest. It's not the content. It's like, Oh, I have to go to this class and then talk to this groundskeeper. Mm-hmm. And maybe if I talk to him enough, I get, you know, this link. Um, it's not the, the writing and characterization is not always good enough mm-hmm. in those to make that worth it. And the time in between and the friction, yeah, uh, ends up being, being more than I want. It's not, a a not too not worth what it costs i can't remember where mm-hmm. i was in the beginning of that i lost my my thread a little bit that's right uh save me cole ross <laughs> <laughs> yeah i so i was going to come out you know and and go jump back to the second question you know just because like yep. it, it's not like if you are aiming for you know a sense of desperation if you are aiming for you know instilling into the player any of these negative emotions like you can do that and still have it be fun this year, we covered one of my favorite games of the past decade, Frostpunk, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, that, yeah, yeah. like, like I, you know, just give that to ten people and have them play it. I don't know how many of them are going to come away saying that was fun. Like, they're not going to come, you know, come by with like their dopamine spiking and their serotonin up. Like, it's probably, you know, going to be harrowing. They're going to feel stressed out, et cetera. Uh, however, that is an example of um, uh, the the theme and the mechanics working together very, very well to get across a point. I don't think it is a bad game just because you come away from it feeling stressed. I don't think it is a bad game, you know, because you come away from it thinking like, ah, geez, like, that just does not make me feel good. It is incredibly well designed to the point um, and I think that that is because it is a very good management and survival sim and it's and it supports what they were trying to get across, which is, you know, this the, the choices that need to be made and getting, you know, in that main scenario, getting you to figure out if you're going to cross the line to make the mechanics of survival easier for yourself. Yeah. Right. Well, and it is kind of I want to unpack a little bit or or separate out like two things that you've mentioned before, like Frostpunk is actually a really good example. So I'm glad, I'm glad you brought that up Yeah. Um, because the, the theming and mechanics working together is something that I tend to admire mm-hmm. more like that, that plays into a critical consensus of something. Right. So like in a game, I can look at something like uh, a persona and yeah. be like, yes, living this year and spending every day as this student does make you feel like it succeeds mm-hmm. in the way that it is taking, taking mechanics and uh, kind of narrative and trying to marry them together. Mm-hmm. That's successful. Um, Night in the Woods, also successful. Yeah. Like, you know, the idea is I walk through this town, I spend this kind of thing, I'm getting to know the place. It's successful in that. Mm-hmm. But it's different than uh, enjoyable, mm-hmm. you know, which is maybe a better word than fun because, like, uh, Frostpunk, I, you know, I think that you're right that a lot of people could sit down and play that and just be harrowed by it and not have fun. That kind of harrowing is fun to me. Yes. Same. I had tons of fun with that game. Mm-hmm. It was very fun. That's why I couldn't put you it know? down. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know what? But, uh, uh, and you can, you can not do that. You can not be enjoyable, mm-hmm. uh, pathologic. Yes. Not, uh, particularly enjoyable, mm-hmm. not fun, uh, or enjoyable, but it's mechanics and themes work really well. And that was so admirable. Mm hmm that it crossed over into still being worth it. Yeah. It's just a, it's a heavy price. Like when you said currents, different currencies spend differently, like that's really what it is. Like, yeah, yeah. and when I talked about it being a risk, mm-hmm. 
right? So like Pathologic made that risk and they knew what they were doing and they fucking knocked out of the park. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, like we're going to bet everything on this, this thing being really unenjoyable and they did it. Mm-hmm. And I think that, uh, there is a, the same way, um, I just talked about recently how there's like, I feel like a real like 201 level film take that, uh, amb- amb- ambiguous endings are the only wor- worthwhile endings, Yeah, yeah. you know, or even just stories in general, like it has to be ambiguous or it's not good. Mm-hmm. I feel like the idea that this is boring, therefore it must be artful and good <laughs> is also a really shallow take. Right. Um, <laughs> It's, I mean, it like, you know, that, that will lead you to come away and say that, uh, oh man, like Saladar Dali or Andy War- Warhol are some of the best filmmakers ever. Like, no, yes. not, not really. <laughs> like, I, Andy Warhol is a horrible filmmaker. Yeah. Like he's horseshit and he was making fun of you. Yes. <laughs> like it's, you know, it, it's not, uh, like. I don't know. It It is so kind of going through and just being like, this has to be good, mm-hmm. right? Like it's you know, the Simpsons, like him watching Twin Peaks and be like, <laughs> <laughs> like, this is so brilliant. I don't get it at all. You know? <laughs> and not that Twin Peaks is bad, but just you, right. I think that people can come off that way mm-hmm. when they leap to defend anything that is. And then nobody answering asking this question is that. But it's something mm-hmm. I see where it's like, no, no, TDM is great. Like it's tedious. Therefore, it's good. But no, right. TDM is a tool. It's a risky mm-hmm. tool. Yeah. Sometimes it is good. But I think that saying it's inherently valuable is not something I can get on board with. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, it, it all depends on how it is used. It's part of a holistic, you know, it, it is part of a holistic whole. Um, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to be redundant there, but like it has to be examined holistically. And I like you've got to look at you know, the, 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 broader intention, you know, and just like the, the overall success of the, of, of the product itself, you know, mm-hmm. not like, you know, commercially or whatever, but like just as, as an overall experience yeah. as a piece of art, yeah. you know, like as, as a, as a, as a work, you know, yeah. and, and this is, it ends up being uh dovetailing really weirdly into, you know, we've talked about like kind of the grind of things like ga- like podcast games, like mm-hmm. whether it is good for a game to have long, boring parts in which you can check out. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and that feels different to me, too, because I don't feel like that's intentional either. Mm-hmm. Like this, is, this is an aspect of game where the intentionality is really key Yeah. to this, because it from a squint, it is hard to see the difference between a game trying and to be fun and failing mm-hmm. and a game that is intentionally trying to use tedium. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't feel like Final Fantasy V was intentionally trying to use tedium. Right. I don't buy that argument that the idea that you're just kind of going through these endless series of battles is something that they are trying to make a point with. That is well, not theme and mechanic integration. No, because you know? like it, it, the, the end product still felt like a lot of games from that time, you know, or slightly yeah. before it. You know, it, it didn't feel like a reaction, a reaction to anything. It felt like a, a pure expression of that. To yeah. Me. yeah. 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 It's it's tough and like it's really tough not to just come across and look at look at the volume of what we said about this topic and say oh things that we like do this good and and things things that you like that we don't like um do 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 it poorly it's 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 it's, it's it's as subjective as anything yeah yeah it's super subjective and people have different amounts of patience yeah you know for this and those things change like i've talked a lot about how my patience has changed Mm-hmm. For this stuff, like I used to be more down for like just a real slow pace. Like, yeah, I'm gonna sit down and watch the intro for, to Akami. Fuck, I'll watch it twice. <laughs> uh, you know, that was that was that was me back in the day. And now yeah. it's like, you know, I don't want to do that because mm-hmm. it's boring. And, like, it's pretty, but it's boring, and I want to just play the game. Yeah. Um. The uh. So that that can definitely change. Mm-hmm. Uh. But the the idea that like, I just I think that the biggest the biggest takeaway for me. I know I've said it a couple times, but is that 
you have to be really careful with this. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is it's something that I, I see I see games fail with more than I see them succeed with. Yeah, and it ends up being a little bit frustrating. It's a little bit like the you know, we talk about weirdness bias or quirk bias, right? Like, yes, you know, looking yeah. looking at something like I don't know. Let's, let's choose a non controversial one. You know, so let's pick a like like Mister Mosquito. That's a really interesting concept. And not mm-hmm. terribly fun to play. Does it deserve no, to be considered one of the best fun. games? Right. <laughs> Good. Yeah, like it's it's not ter- it's not terribly and in- terribly enjoyable. It's also not terribly interesting, right? Yeah. You know, it's in- or not it's interesting, but to what end? Like it's right, not terribly right. good. Like mm-hmm. in a holistic sense, it doesn't add up to very much, right? You know, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So it it's something worth considering, I think. But it, it's as objective as anything, and I think that it's something that uh, you know, for me, is is bats about twenty percent. Mm-hmm. Like games that have done so, like thinking of games that have done tedium specifically and made that work, mm-hmm. uh, it's hard for me to think of more than a couple examples. Yeah, you know, I, I think that like um, the the weird the offbeat uh, level in the hospital in Hotline Miami mm-hmm. that feels so disempowering and shitty is actually pretty good. Yeah, um, it's because yeah. it's a level. Mm-hmm. You know, you get through it like it's it's frustrating, it's dumb, uh, but you get through it and then you're back to what you were. And I think that little contrast helps a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, that's one. Uh, what are what are some other examples of games that do do that kind of thing? And and discomfort and grief and terror and are all those are very easy to find mm-hmm. games that do that really well. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, uh, opsies. <laughs> I think of I think of tedium, you know, when, when I think of tedium, I think of like day in, day out kind of stuff. This is this is probably not going to be um, uh, a very popular thing. This is a game that I really like. Um, but uh, Stardew Valley is a very tedious game, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, because that is about the routine. It, it is about setting up the chores and going and kind of hitting the same boxes every single day. But that is a game that at least ostensibly is about establishing a simpler, you know, a simpler life for yourself, you know, in this in this mm-hmm. new community. Right. So and, and some people will make the charge that that is not fun. Mm-hmm. You know, like, why? Why would I play that? Yeah. You know, and, and there, there's, there's so many, it's such a specific subjective thing. So like for me, like I like Stardew Valley, mm-hmm. um, I can't really play it. Like I, I have not successfully played an animal crossing mm-hmm. since the first one, right. because initially it is fun. And mm-hmm. then I get bored because they're mostly about collecting things Yes, and a day in day out, like routine of talking to little NPC animals. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that is too much for me. That's, <clears throat> that's not successful tedium, Yeah, you know, to me. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to decide if something like yeah. cart, uh, something like cart life satisfies the tedium. If, like I, I find that the like the systems in that too engaging, you know, like mm-hmm. just uh, stocking your stuff and trying to keep your landlord from finding out about your cat and making change and dealing with complaints and stuff. I find all of that so engaging. I think all of that works to the point of making, you know, kind of making a point about poverty that I don't yeah, really yeah. read I, it a lot as tedium, although it would be hard to argue that, you know, tedium is not a major part of it. Right. Yeah. And that, that's too, that's too an artful expression. Something I, I thought of just now, like, I think that's a great example mm-hmm. of this, right? Because that is uh tedious and discomfort, you know, discomforting uh, to an end. Yeah. Um, it's making a point. I think that when you use that kind of thing uh, to borrow another phrase of yours, like dose makes the poison. Mm-hmm. Right. So like with something like cart life, which is a few hours of like an art game, yeah, you know, or papers, please, which is a few hours of an art game, mm-hmm. uh, frustrate me, tedious yeah. me, you know, mm-hmm. like 
make me make my point to think about your art thing. Um, when that ends up being a 10, 12, 30 hour game mm-hmm. that it, you can, you argue that it's doing tedium to make that same point or doing <clears throat> frustration to make a point that is just simply too much by volume. Yeah. Uh, your point, that is when, you know, the, the law of diminishing returns, like you're not buying enough with what you're spending. Mm-hmm. Um, at that point, you know, and it's like I have I've not uh, played Death Stranding and like that's not the, the tedious part is not the least interesting part of that to me. <laughs> but like, you know, it's something I think about. It's like, man, you know, this is like a 50 or 60 hour game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even if you could make me convince me that the the FedExing part, the truck simulator part is mm-hmm. intentionally tedious to an artful point. Mm-hmm. Is it 60 hours of that is it 50 hours of that yeah yeah you know probably not for me like yeah. that that's too high of a price or even scaled down um, you know um kind of kind of uh, an example that comes up when we talk about imposed tedium uh it comes up a lot when we talk about this no more heroes right where yes, they are yeah, yeah. They, they are building in those little odd job missions that you that you have to do in between the hits Right. So, yeah. you know, not only is it <laughs> like, hey, we're making a point about bad video games by being a bad video game. No, fuck that. You are what you pretend to be. There's functionally exactly. no difference. Uh, second off, like, and- don't stop me from doing the fun thing that I'm here for. <laughs> yeah. 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 It, it's there's there's a, there's an element of this that is very it's like a, not a word that I use really lightly, but there's an element of this that can be purely like pretentious mm-hmm. in, in a literal sense, like putting on pretenses. Right. And No More Heroes feels that way. Yeah. Like No More Heroes, I think, is not a grand damning document about video games. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wants to be both. It wants to be a fun video game. It also wants to kind of make a little bit of a joke. Right. About what video games are. And when it does those odd job things, uh what you do is like, yep, you got me. Fuck you, mm-hmm. though. Yeah. Like, yep, yep, you, you convinced me to play something boring for a second. What if I just quit? Yeah. Uh, you don't, you don't, I'm not a captive audience. Right. You know, so like for any of these things, like you don't, uh, you know, don't threaten me with boredom. Mm-hmm. You know, like it, it's not going to work because I, I don't have to be here. You're right. not, my, you're not my boss. No more heroes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's just, it's so easy to walk away from this thing. Right. Uh, and, and, and with something like no more heroes, it is not, uh, you know, yes, those mini games are explicitly there to kind of make fun of bad video games and to be boring mm-hmm. at the same time, though, I don't feel like it's a holistic or artful enough work to justify that. Right. And I don't want us pay that to get it. Right. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just like the first part of Billy's question, like the reason why games uh, that are not fun to play can still be considered masterpieces, mm-hmm. you know, even though they have less than ideal play is like either they go so far in one direction as to like, blow the curve mm-hmm. you know i don't like thinking of games as transactional i don't like thinking you pay the price of the mechanics of planescape in order to receive the narrative of planescape mm-hmm. i think that's not a healthy framing um at the same time though the narrative of planescape is so fucking good that like anything that's in is is worthwhile mm-hmm. like it blows out of the curve pathologic is a worthwhile thing yes uh, it doesn't matter how hard it is to play because it's doing such interesting, cool shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is uh, really thematically rich and dense uh, in a way that is really rare. Um, you know, and even then it's like, I still think you should just listen to our episode on it. I don't think you should play it, mm-hmm. you know? So it's uh, things can, things can be good enough to spite this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, yeah. is, I guess, is that that answer. Mm-hmm. And, you yeah. know, I think that, you know, just the, the, that there are certain things that are statistical outliers, for lack of a better way to frame it. Like Planescape, like, I don't know that that's a bad game so much as it is like an ill-fitting wrapper for the payload yeah. that that is trying to deliver, right? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I, it's it's also a worse game now than it was when it came out in terms of like how it's considered. You know, like it, it's like an interesting thing because it's not uh, at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, like right now in retrospect, the common you know it it is the the common refrain that like oh yeah this is this all of the mechanics parts of this are trash. At the time, that was not my experience or really what people thought. Right. You know, it was much more um, of the time, you know, at that at that time, that kind of game just kind of felt better and people were, it mm-hmm. wasn't, weren't clinging off it. Like yeah. a lot of the, the kind of caveats you have to put on recommendations of that to get the good part are through 2019 eyes. Mm-hmm. It's a modern gaming kind yeah. of lens. Yeah. You so. know, and uh, they're, they're to, to a certain point, um, let's say the index card that a lot of people have about a game um ends up being self if not self-fulfilling at least uh self-reinforcing you know oh yeah it's like you're probably you know you're pretty like your reaction to the play of planescape is probably going to be you know different and maybe worse than if, than if you just walked into it if you walked into a blank then if you walked into it with people saying oh yeah the play in this is dog shit when in reality it's just like oh yeah it's you know treated like a point and click adventure game and the combat is there but you can get through it <laughs> yeah exactly it's, it's the, and those things the, the, yeah because that's the way those things end up getting magnified yeah, yeah you know as well like i i i was trepidatious about ultima underworld 2 mm-hmm. and that turned out to be fine like it doesn't it doesn't control perfectly like it, it took a little while to get used to mm-hmm. but like it was something that i i had had a reputation for being this gem that was like uh-oh though you got to get uh, past these controls man they're they're absolutely horrible it's fine yeah it's fine you know it's, it, it, it it is a rough half hour to an hour and then there is so much to enjoy about it after that yep yeah yep yep so yeah there's it's surprising like how many topics this touches on because mm-hmm. that touches on controls and it touches on like changing standards of controls as well mm-hmm. like not that we have to branch off entirely into that but and it's not necessarily the intended uh, part of the question but it's related yeah, yeah. In kind of an interesting way yeah so, so like if i if i had to sum it up i mean it goes back to something we said about let's say two-thirds of the way through this through through this area it's like you know tedium you using the interactivity for tedium and using it um you know for these things that are not straight up enjoyableness let's say should be done judiciously because it is a very powerful spice right yeah Really easy to put too much, you know, too much clove yeah. in your you're, Tom Collins mix. You're gonna, you're gonna, cross. gonna <laughs> yeah. sorry. <laughs> I was about to say you're gonna ruin the stew, uh, but then you went yeah. and turned it into the Tom Collins mix and pot crust and cloves. <laughs> Let's go call mom. <laughs> um, I watched that uh, now that I have all the Simpsons. Uh, it was one of the first ones I watched because I was thinking about that scene specifically. Let's go get mom. <laughs> it's the thing the that crunch. Bro- <laughs> it's the it's the straw that broke cables back Let's yep. go oh man i'm surprised you were able to delivery. i'm surprised you were able to laugh at anything when it was in widescreen and not With that aspect ratio three. Yeah. yeah how could how could anybody enjoy Ooh, anything yeah uh any at all <laughs> you know just in general um yeah uh but yeah so uh yeah agreed uh there Mm. um yeah say i feel passionate about i don't like games making me bored yeah no it's I, I, I just you know it's a, it's a weird thing it's like it's so tricky in mm-hmm. the times that people have done it good very yeah. rare yeah, if yeah. you're gonna get away with it, you got to make a damn good game. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't yeah. know. It's 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 a little bit like uh like you know shocking humor or edgy humor. Like it's fine. You just better be funny if you do it. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. yeah. And just yeah, what people consider tedium is just going to be like, I was thinking about uh, how much I like downtime in games and how it's different. Yeah. Like to me, visiting UNATCO between missions mm-hmm. is not tedious at all. Right. Like that's incredibly fun and awesome. And it's a highlight of that game to me, but there probably are people who are like, this is yeah. tedious. This is the game using tedious. And I feel like tedium is different than downtime too. Yeah. You know, downtime is necessary um, for pacing. Yeah. You know, but that, that downtime doesn't have to be tedious. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's a, there's a difference between, uh, you can put content in that downtime. Yeah. You know, so, um, moving on to your responses mm-hmm. to our, uh, games that we cover in November. Stay tuned until the end. That's where we'll be announcing, uh, our games for January. Yeah. Um, if you're hearing this, if you have things to say about our December games, you can hit us up at duckfeed.tv slash contact. Mm-hmm. And we'll read your responses next month. Yep. Deadline is December the 15th. Uh, and those, those games are, of course, Jade Empire and Tyranny. Yes. Okie doke. Um, uh, let's get into it. Let's do it. Uh, let's see here. So starting with The Last Express, Eric writes in via contact. So why does Kath care if Kronos gets the Firebird or not? I only watched a Let's Play of The Last Express, so I assumed I had missed something and Kronos had a sinister motive behind wanting the bird. But from listening to your episode and reading the wiki, he doesn't? He's just an art collector. Look, I don't want a rich guy who pulls a gun on me to have a nice thing either. <laughs> uh, but it feels weird that Kath essentially murders two people via Robo Bird, all to prevent an art collector from having an ugly egg. Also, after ripping off Tyler Whitney's face, why did the bird return to the egg? It sure as hell didn't retreat into its home during the game's ending. So why wasn't it just clanging around <laughs> Whitney's compartment until Anna entered, substantially <laughs> subsequently killing her, Francois, and everyone else on the train? By the time Kath showed up, the Orient Express should have been a slaughterhouse. <laughs> We don't go in that car. No one goes into that chamber. (laughs) The the (laughs) bird is loose. (laughs) The bird. The bird is in that chamber. It is part of the legend of the Orient Express. (laughs) The romance of the rails. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Those are good questions. Very good questions. I I just, I I think that maybe the people who plotted uh, the last express cared more about other things than making sure those questions hmm. had good answers. I I think the only, if I'm being as charitable, charitable as possible, and I'm not trying to devil's advocate, I think the reason, the only reason why Kath cared whether Kronos got the egg is because he was trying to fulfill his dead friend's wishes. And maybe as part of him trying to think about what Tyler thought, like that Tyler didn't want him to have the egg. Yeah. But I don't, you know, I think, but he was also going to trade the egg for the, the, the gold to get. For- so I don't know, like there, there are plot holes there again. That game is very like some of the most joy I've had recording this show <laughs> uh, is doing that episode. Like, I think that's one of my, our best episodes actually. And I think that part of it, it is so fun to go into something thinking it is a highbrow prestige thing and have it come away like 70% that, yeah. you know, <laughs> have the other 30% just be this. Yeah. Uh, it's such a joy. I think about that egg, <laughs> like with frequency. Thinking about <laughs> those just, eggs. Like, makes me laugh. Every time, like every time I think about that egg, it's such a joy. <laughs> Good egg. Oh, fantastic egg content. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I don't have satisfactory answers for that question. All I can think of is by the, by the, by the time, uh, Kath six, the mechanical bird on Kronos, Kronos had fucked him over enough times, you know, mm-hmm. he was holding people at gunpoint yeah. for it. So it might've been revenge. I've got no he idea. teleported back onto the train. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he didn't like that. Yeah. You know, he's, he's, he's a trainomancer. Like, mm, yeah. You know. Um, Crave says by contact. Uh, it's Craig. Uh, it's, it's Craig. I'm sorry. Craig. Oh, 
That's a, <laughs> what up, Craig? Um, the uh, Craig. Uh, Craig says, uh, your early comments on the lack of puzzles in the last express in favor of observation as a central mechanic reminds me of another adventure game from around the same time. Riven, the sequel to Mist. River has all of two actual adventure game puzzles, and the rest of the game tasks you with exploring the world, discovering how it works, and extrapolating that information to figure out uh, new things that the game doesn't explicitly hint at. Uh, this makes the game hard as shit, but also feels like a more realistic world where everything is connected rather than being a discrete sequence of puzzles strung together by world building. We're going to do Riven at some point. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, all, all, all of this is good points. You know, the fact that there are only two two places where you have to actually enter a solution and the rest of it is seeing enough of the seeing enough of the island to discern that the entire thing is one big key to the puzzle. Um, all of that is very good. Uh, and yeah. we just we're just going to have to do the game sometime to talk about that in detail. Yep. 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 And then we'll move on to Mist Three, Mist Four, and the Forbidden Mist Five. I mean, they're all they're pissed. all okay. <laughs> all right, like uh, I I somehow got the like the impression that three and four were not very good. Uh, they're, they're they're fine. I mean, they're they're, they're yeah. not as good as two, but like three has interesting um, worlds, let's say, mm. and four is a very satisfying follow up to the story of Mist One because it mm. does deal with Cirrus and Akinar again. Hmm. Yes. Good boys. There was um specifically bad boys. Yeah, specifically bad boys. I remember the boys. <laughs> yeah. um, the uh, uh, the uh, puzzles in general would be a pretty good topics discussion. Um, mm-hmm. There was a question we got on the Patreon, but we didn't get to it in this episode about mm-hmm. that. Yes. Like what we think makes a good puzzle. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that would be a a good topic sometime, either for uh, this you know one of these or for an overflow episode, which we're due. Oh yeah. For yeah. so so watch your Patreon feeds. We're going to be doing another overflow episode pretty soon, mm-hmm. um, and I think puzzles is like a really good one of those because it's something that uh, there's a lot to. I, I like I I would need to do a lot of reading to like hone that because that is such a wide such a wide remit for conversation. For very very. Well, not broad even thinking topic. like it, good. Not even defining it, but like I think that the question uh, that we didn't get to, um, and I'm not saying we answer it now in the middle of our response things, but right, like right. you know we. Uh, you know, we we've talked a lot about what makes a bad puzzle, what makes mm-hmm. a good puzzle. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think that's something we could talk about mm-hmm. um, at some point. Um, what? Uh, let's move on to Simpsons hit and run responses. Yes, let us do that. Uh, so, Bort Simpson writes in via contact. Um, my my son is also my named son's Bort. last name is also Simpson. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, but Bort says it's debatable how well the GTA 3 mission structure fits the Simpsons property but I think the sandbox format delivers on what most people want from a Simpsons game which is simply the ability to explore a 3D rendering of Springfield the one game system that really stuck out to me uh, was that after failing a mission a certain number of times it would give you the ability to simply skip the mission as a kid who wasn't great at video games, especially vehicular missions, I loved this feature. It's a great example of a game knowing its audiences, where uh, there were probably a good percentage of people who weren't, quote, hardcore gamers, uh, but were simply drawn to the game uh, because of a desire to see more Simpsons content. It's not a system that I, w- I would want to see pop up in a ton more games. Uh, I think the I think just the ability to switch to an easy mode works most of the time. But I'm surprised that there haven't been uh, more to adopt this feature. Something yep. is, I mean, that's something Nintendo does, um, especially in their oh, kind yeah. of like more modern Mario games. Like they will, if you fail enough times, it will say, hey, do you want to press this button to have the computer do it for you? Yeah. Or yeah. here's a here's invincibility for the whole level. Yeah. Yeah. You know, something like that. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I generally am in favor of those. Yeah. You know, let, it, let me let me skip the mission and do it without without shame. You know, yes. I talked about how much I hate the chicken hat. Mm-hmm. Like, let me change difficulty. Let me skip the mission. Don't make fun of me. Yep. Like, it's not my fault that like this part of your game you thought was hard. I thought was easy. And this part of your game you thought was easy. I thought was hard. Mm-hmm. That's the nature of subjective experience. Like, yep. you do not have one over on me for that. Yeah. You know, so just let me uh, get past it. Yeah. My, my preference know? would be that they never get to the point where they have to where they have to do that um mm-hmm. just design it tightly enough that you you don't get there but not always the case um and you know you should be able to see the content in a game yeah yeah, yeah. and it's uh you know i i think that more than it being built into the game um i mean i like it i like it built into the game like that as long as it's not condescending mm-hmm. or anything like that but it just built in through like you know maybe cheats i really like like level selects yeah or level skips on stuff like that mm-hmm. because there's a little bit of additional friction for it and then the game isn't pinging me mm-hmm. for it like i have to hunt it down yeah i think that's the appropriate amount of friction to me you know um but yeah agreed Bort. yeah uh moving on to uh jerry khan who is who sponsored the episode mm-hmm. uh says uh viva contact <laughs> simpsons hit and run is a game that i wish i could recommend but really cannot except for the most uh to the most diehard fans it's based driving mechanics are solid and fun it's full of clear love and reverence for the show. Its soundtrack is excellent, and its script is quite funny. I genuinely have fun with it, even driving in the squid port, but I really can't recommend it. I don't believe the devs are entirely at fault. I think the quality of much of what's in there uh, shows that they had a great deal of passion for the game and made the best with what they had. A developer that lets you reverse the planet hype car out of its billboard and drive it around <laughs> probably cares. Uh but it definitely seems uh, like it just needed a little bit more time and testing to fix the difficulty problems and smooth out, smooth out the economy and develop some more mission variety that feels like should have been there. On the plus side, I think it does hold the distinction of being the good Simpsons game that re- best represents the show. The other option for a good Simpsons game is the arcade game, but while its developers are undoubtedly talented, that game is a bizarre lost in translation version of season one Simpsons. Hidden Run is much more representative of the comedy and characters the Simpsons would become famous for. Agreed. Yeah. No, I have no complaints about the general uh, Easter egg heavy Springfield exploration parts of it. I had no idea you could hop in Mole Man's car and drive it out of Planet Hype. Yeah, that's great. I didn't. I also didn't know that. <laughs> so that's that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I, as far as games that like, again, I was at a mixed experience playing. I'm so glad we did that for the show because mm-hmm. it was it was uh, fun to fun to actually touch base with it. Yeah, I feel like. I mean, it's it's also like just a different. Uh, I'm going to say this word and it's going to come across as dicky or elitist. It's a different caliber of game than we usually do for the show. Like, yes. a, like a licensed genre clone is not necessarily something that would normally be like bait for us. But it was it was it was a good you know let, let let's say you know category of games to dip into right. I think so too. Yeah, um, Jerry Con um, didn't uh, recommend that was Volpes, right? Oh, Volpes, you're right. Actually, yeah. I, I apologize. No I apologize to Volpes and I apologize to Jerry Con. Mm-hmm. Jerry Con. Um, before we get into Deus Ex, I have a special update. Oh, watch out for Fireballs uh, edition. There's a thing we missed in this. That's one of my favorite jokes, and we missed it. I'm really mad. Okay, so it's taking everything I have not to like steal it from everyone's ponos and re-edit the episode. Okay. But when you when you go to Picus, they have so in all the the computers in the entire game, you can have four emails. Mm-hmm. And when you go to Picus, they have a they have a thing where the, it, it's a company policy that you can only have four emails, <laughs> and you get a warning that your inbox is almost full when you get two. And that's the third email is the one is the warning. 
it's one of like the best jokes about like the format of those types of games. That is so and good. And I, I noticed it when you were playing it, but I totally forgot to bring it up during the episode. Yeah. I'm very mad at myself because I love it. <laughs> like warning your inbox is almost full at the re- third email you got. <laughs> so I re- good. I remember seeing that. I don't know why I didn't make a note of it. I, I apologize for it's, failing, it's, for failing in that regard to putting together the outline. <laughs> it's 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 a okay i i just forgot about it because it had been too long since between when i played it and we recorded mm-hmm. um and i just i i want to make sure everyone listening you know if you've already written in that's fine we deserve anything you have to say mm-hmm. but if you're listening back and you're thinking about human revolution and you're like you know what they sold me that same game seems really cool i just wish it was one percent funnier yes uh, it is there's one <laughs> really there's at least that one really excellent joke in there so yeah. <laughs> um yeah thank you yeah. thank you for bringing that up uh, let's see here. Is this me or you for Jacob? Uh, this is you. Okay. Jacob writes via contact. Deus Ex Human Revolution is officially my favorite stealth game because of a moment in uh, the non-lethal playthrough that I did last month. The thing that clinched it was waiting for the funicular. I was low on supplies and had no idea how I'd get through that section without killing anyone until I had an idea. Ten minutes later... All of the entrances to the room were blocked with vending machines that nobody else could move, and I waited comfortably while watching little red triangles swarm around the edges of the minimap. God, what I wouldn't give to watch the security footage. Yes. <laughs> Your ability to move fridges and vending machines in that game is MVP. I got so much yeah. more use. And it would work in real life. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, it's one of the, I mean... It's also weird that it's an augment that gives you the ability to do as a, as an aug what a regular human can do with a furniture dolly. <laughs> with a hand truck? Yeah. yeah. My hand truck is augmented. I've moved lots of fridges. I didn't ask for this. Why did you give me a hand truck? No. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I Man, I, I need to ask for a hand truck for Christmas, actually. Those are useful. I, I've got a really nice uh, like foldable one that I use for one of my amps. Oh, yeah? Um, yeah. It's yeah. great. It's like sturdy and also very portable. So mm-hmm. love it exist. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, a, that, that is a very good story. The funicular comes up a couple of times in these responses. That's a, I, I oh, didn't yeah. expect that to be that memorable section of the game. Yeah. This yeah. one is definitely one of my favorites. So mm-hmm. I'm with you, Jacob, as a vending machine, uh, enthusiast in those games. <laughs> um, Steven says by contact, uh, this game was my introduction to the immersive sim genre. And it's the first game I've had time to replay along with the show. Despite its artificiality, I love Deus Ex's stealth system. The tile-like layout of the rooms the fixed guard pat- and the fixed guard patrols give it a wonderful puzzle box feel. The pullback into third person when you're in cover is something I wish a lot more games would add, since it drastically cuts the wall staring time. And playing through the director's cut this time, it's been a joy to work my exploration and hacking skills into the boss fights as well. Agreed. Yeah. I, I think that artificiality is necessary in a stealth game. <clears throat> Oh, yeah. Like, all, like, like all a you... realistically modeled stealth game. Mm, no, you no. Know? You, you, the I mean, the like, levels I, need to be playgrounds for the, for the system. Well, I, I oftentimes think about why uh, whenever in a stealth game, whenever you come up with an elevator, no one's looking at it mm-hmm. when you get off an, an elevator. And it's because they're video games. Yeah. Like in real life, somebody might be looking at the elevator and then you just be fucked. <laughs> you know, but it, it never happens that way. Yeah. You can't control when those doors open. Those buttons don't do anything. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. They just—they just—they uh, put you on a list at the fire department. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if, do if, not save list. <laughs> they, they take your fingerprints from the button. Yeah, yeah. The, the little burn motherfucker list. <laughs> down every fire department. We don't need the water. <laughs> yeah, like if you want an ex- <laughs> like Gary Butterfield burn. 
<laughs> if you want an example of what happens when uh like when a, when a stealth game isn't designed with artificial environment environments in mind look at portions of uh siren or siren blood curse uh which is mm. an interesting game but a terrible stealth game mm. yeah i believe it very frustrating yeah um let's see this will be me brian writes via contact viva pentia um pentia um <laughs> uh, picture this venn diagram on the left bioware's carefully crafted dialogue and a protagonist with enough of a distinct personality to be memorable but also customizable on the right arcane's carefully crafted levels and a tight mechanical foundation that lets you play stealthily high octane or a mixture of both human revolution uh, yeah, revolution human revolution sits nicely in the center but manages to keep itself unique with a near future aesthetic there are two things I remember being disappointed about upon reaching uh, the end of the story. First, the literal push this button to get a different ending sequence was a bit of a buzzkill. Second, there's the mystery of why Adam's body doesn't reject his implants. The answer is hinted at during Mankind Divided, uh, but it seems like such a minor plot thread to leave dangling for so long. There, There's that one side quest that talks about it a little bit as well. Yes. Yeah. Uh, which is easy to miss, uh, but it talks a little bit about his his uh, origins being, you know, his parents being fake and all that stuff. Very his, similar his, to J.C. Dunton. Yes, his provenance. Yeah. yeah. So it does hint at that, but it's it's probably and they they don't go fully into it. Mankind divided. It's probably something that was going to be a big part of the third game if they ever got to make that. Mm -hmm. You know, which hopefully is of interest in Deus Ex comes back. Yeah, and the, and they actually finally do. Hopefully. So if they try to stuff one more Deus Ex go down my throat, I'll fucking vomit. <laughs> Man, what, Deus what Ex is always fine. It's it's fine. But what a whiff after yeah. uh, Hitman and Tomb Raider go. Yeah, Hitman go is much better. Yeah. Uh, the, than uh, those ones. I don't like the Tomb Raider one that much. Hmm. Like Hitman go uh, pretty well. Tomb Raider one's okay. Yeah. Um, the uh, Those in general are better than they have any right to be while also not being like must plays to me. Yeah. I feel yeah. like. Mm -hmm. um, Patches says via contact. Uh, I'm writing to share a Human Revolution-specific story. Once I was watching my buddy play through Taeyang Medical and gave him some shit for murdering the security guards, my line of thought was, well, those guys are just here doing their job. His response was, well, yeah, but if you take their paycheck, you endorse what they're doing. <laughs> I pointed out, yes, but you're leaving the scientist. The actual asshole is doing the black science alone while you're killing the guys with the guns who are just on payroll. He says, good point. And then proceeds to start mass murdering the scientists as well. <laughs> uh, when I came back 20 later, he was stacking lab-coated bodies like cordwood in a bathroom as he went room by room clearing the labs and offices. What's important um, in the realm of ethics <laughs> is consistency. Exactly. It's very funny. Yeah. I just I, like like this works better in text, but just he says, and then it all caps. Good points. Yeah, good point. Yeah. I have a problem with my bathroom. The, uh, there's a problem. Just, there's a problem with the toilet. There's a problem with the toilet. That video is so and good. Just, <laughs> just good. If, yeah. if you didn't listen to the Hitman episode, just go to YouTube, put in "there's a problem with the toilet," um, and then open the Hitman video. It's amazing. Yeah, it's really good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Man, Hitman. Hitman. Um, yeah. Yeah, dude. Somebody, play Hitman too, somebody executive produce Hitman 2. <laughs> yeah. I, I would love to. And well, they've done the DLCs for it now. Yes. They've released like a few like really good missions for it. Yeah, the, the, the bank, bank mission and the island ones are both really good. God damn, like you don't so, need to tell me. Yeah. <sighs> so the, no, the, mean, the, the suburbia and Miami ones look really good too from the main game. Fuck. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. The, mm. Hitman 2 is, is wonderful front to back. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I believe you. I believe you. I love him. 
I love him. <laughs> there, there was somebody uh, in the in the question earlier. You know, like who 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 do you love better, JC or uh, um, JC Denton Geralt. or Geralt? Somebody wrote Agent Forty Seven, which seems like also uh, the right answer. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a little like answering the kinks kinks to the Beetle or the Stones, but mm-hmm. I'm also that guy. So yeah, <laughs> you know, even though it's like I can't. I can't, I can't argue with JC. JC is too important to me. Yeah. yeah. But it's just like Agent 47, mm-hmm. very special to me. Yeah. But just, just like, likely, unten- likely unintentionally funny stoics. Yes. Yeah. Is, yeah. Uh, is a good genre of character. Really, really funny. Yeah. Really good. Uh, what does <laughs> Matt say? Matt says via contact, in the dearth of summer gaming releases earlier this year, what dearth, Matt? Matt, what dearth? <laughs> Some people think that this is, I, I definitely like people will be like, Oh, it's a bad year for games. Not very much came out. And I'm like, yeah, I just, I never experienced that. I literally never experienced it. Weird. So, uh, okay. So I'll, I'll, I'll pick back up again. I didn't mean to put you on blast, Matt. Uh, Matt says, uh, in the dearth of summer gaming releases earlier this year, I dug into my digital backlog to find something new to play and came across Deus Ex Human Revolution, which I had purchased in some sale and never quite gotten around to. So I installed it onto my Xbox and booted it up only to be pleasantly surprised a month or so later when you announce that you'd be covering it for the show. As I'm sure you'll discuss, the game's flexibility and willingness to allow for varying kinds of play is, for my money, its best feature. Though I'll admit the characters in the story by and large bored me, even though that kind of thing is usually my jam. One of my favorite articulations of this came late in my playthrough, when Adam is warned uh, summoning the funicular will rouse enemies and that the area will need to be defended until it arrives. Having already dispatched most of the pre-existing enemies on the floor, um, I was able to take some time piling crates and vending machines in the way of the area's two large doors and lounge in a vent using my X-ray vision to watch puzzled guards try to find their way in. Yes. Moments like this almost made up for the complete misery I felt in taking on the bosses as I was playing the original bad boss version of the game. Horrible bosses. Mm-hmm. Deus, Deus Ex horrible bosses. Yeah, horrible bosses too. <laughs> Deus Ex. They, they Charlie made, Day they, for some reason. They made that. They made a horrible boss. Yeah, no, I know. Too. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I saw that first one and it's real weird that I watched it. I don't remember yeah. what it drove me to. It's fine. Uh, it wasn't good. Yeah, not good. Um, yeah. Yeah. All that, uh, if, if you're just playing Human Revolution for the first time and you're enjoying all that stacking stuff up, mm-hmm. you can pick up almost anything in Deus Ex 1. Yes. So just, just pointing out that all of that stuff, like there's a part where you have to sneak to the top of a, uh, a, a friendly tower uh-huh. um, and plant something that causes the entire tower of your people to go against you. Mm-hmm. And you can spend that entire time moving vending machines and boxes and stuff to create like fortresses and mazes for them. Yes. And things uh, you can do all kinds of weird shit like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is more free than Human Revolution. So if you dig that kind of thing and the story is much better. Yeah. As, as, assuming so, assuming you have not already gone gone all in on Deus Ex. Yes. Um, yeah. That, that that you can do anything is much more strongly expressed there. Oh yeah. 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 One of my favorite, favorite thing, like that mission is such a good articulation for it because you can like create a barrier. Mm-hmm. You can also, if you have the leg augment, just jump off the fucking building, which I think is baller as hell. <laughs> yep. You know, just like, I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. Yeah. Uh, the kids would say that you yeet off of the tower. You yeeted, or I thought you yeeted somebody else. I didn't know that you could self yeet. I think you can auto yeet. Yeah. You can auto yeet. I think that's how Michael Hutchins died. <laughs> um, the, <laughs> Rest in peace. Um, Dilly Bones says via contact. 
Uh, I was so glad to hear you two were covering Deus Ex Human Revolution, a game that, while short of a masterpiece, might be the most important game of the last generation to me. Uh, I grew up without much when the way of video gaming hardware, making do with my mom's subpar home PC to play endless hours of less graphically intensive Infinity Engine CRPGs. I fancied myself enough of a gamer American at the time to subscribe to PC Gamer and ogle all the games I would have no hope of actually running. Deus Ex was constantly name-dropped as one of the greats, and for years it was the untouchable grail for me a chunky, systems-intensive, first-person game that I had no hope to be able to run on my hardware. I knew one day, when I was a functional and extremely cool adult, with no parents and no bedtime, I would play it. <laughs> As an adult with no parents, it is extremely cool. <laughs> um, uh, it continues. Uh, they continue. Uh, cut to 2011, and me drunk and depressed with a secondhand 360. Games as spectacle had become more and more my thing, and I hadn't played anything deeper than a Bethesda RPG in years. Deus Ex Human Revolution released, and I remembered enough about the pedigree of the name to pick it up. What I found was a game that, despite its marked flaws, is maybe a contender for the perfect middle ground between smart and dumb, and served as a gateway into my now favorite subgenre of the 0451. Uh, I played through Human Revolution two and a half times in a row. Although though the aborted first attempt was due to specking improperly for the vanilla version's inexcusable boss battles, I didn't even mind starting over since it gave me time, more time to revel in the world and sneak into people's emails. Human Revolution convinced me to dig back into Dishonored uh, by Prey on release and put three more playthroughs into Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines. It also convinced me to give the original Deus Ex and System Shock 2 a shot, and I was surprised at how hard I bounced off them. Although from a distance, I can admire the systems and the uh, of the progenitors of the genre, the amount of polish Human Revolution brought to the genre is what makes it so special to me and is a vital evolution for that genre. You mentioned in the episode uh, that the polish, especially in terms of level design, can round out the 80% deus exiness. Uh, but I think the 20% reduces the friction in a way that makes this game go down like a much-needed dose of neuropazine. Here's hoping that Mankind Divided isn't the last of the series and hoping you both eventually get around to playing it. Uh, Thanks, as always, for everything you've done to make the DuckFeed Network and community so amazing. Thank you. Um, yeah, thank you. Uh, I yeah. have played Mankind Divided. I need to replay it, but I did. Mm -hmm. uh, that was a day one for me. Yeah. So. Um, I think we agree. You know, when we talk about the the the, the polish, I think when I, you know, I, I will take credit for this. If I raise the point that, uh, you know, that the polish hurts it. And that was in the context of hearing other people express something along that. I think that they gain a lot by the polish, um, you know. Uh, that, that, that offsets some of the reduction in deus exiness that they, that they brought in, you know, by way of modernizing it, let's say mm -hmm. the, the polish helps yeah. and the polish is not a negative. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree. I don't mm -hmm. think the polish is a, is a problem with, it. I think it's just kind of smaller in scope and has a dumber story. Yeah. yeah. You know, like I don't, I don't like it as much as deus ex, um, because of that scope. It's not because of polish things for me, mm -hmm. you know, but again, I say that somebody who finds deus ex like really playable. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I, I get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. How crazy would it have been if yeah. Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines 2 came out this year? I don't know if I could handle it. Me, me, me neither. Like, I still got to play Disco Elysium. Like, <laughs> me I, too. I'm, I'm not doing good. Yeah. Games. All I do is I play Darkest Dungeon and uh, <laughs> Darkest Dungeon, Legend of Bumbo, and um, XCOM. Yeah. And that's it for me. Those three, <laughs> and that's all I can do. So I, yeah. uh, I need to break out of this before I can... Uh, no, can no. play could play bloodlines too I, I say to myself so. oh i'll play games in bed on the switch and i get in bed and uh instead of loading up any of the uh good stuff that i should play for self-edification i load up picross s2 and then i will probably move on to picross s3 yeah yep it's weird yep. uh, uh nothing uh you know nothing wrong with that but it's definitely <laughs> where i'm at yeah so 
uh, finally here, Joe writes in via contact saying, I just wanted to share some really cool moments I had with Deus Ex Human Revolution. First off, human augmentation is something that I've been super interested in uh, since I was small, and I've turned that interest into my career, so it didn't take much for me to immerse myself in the game. Uh, I had a couple of moments during the game that I think are particularly worth sharing. The first was during the period where you return to Detroit... Uh, and there has been an anti-aug riot in the city with a bunch of rioters rounded up by the cops and yelling insults at you as you walk around. Considering I both don't deal well with discrimination and have been interested in, in augmentation since I was little, this evidently hit a raw nerve. I walked up to a group of tied up folks and one yelled something uh, at me to the effect of I'll kick your ass. And I literally yelled at the screen, try it on angry reflex, which really <laughs> caught me off guard. Uh, the other part was where your pilot crashes and you're told to just sneak through the area and leave. I found out later that you can actually save her. I tried a couple of times to defeat the enemies in the area. I was on a no-kill run, so this was pretty tough, and was unable to do it in time. Finally, I figured this was just a scripted event uh, where I had to move on and snuck through. I was then shown the scene where they drag her out and execute her in front of you while you're stuck watching in the elevator. Shaking with rage, I immediately turned around and went back to the elevator. Turns out the developers must have expected that because they let you go back down. I immediately went back and killed every single enemy in, enemy in the room, ruining my no-kill run. I really loved the game due to the subject matter, and the odd story worked really well for me, even with a clear-as-day, choose-your-ending feeling odd. Uh, those moments really stood out to me, though, as they made me uh, made me really take a long look in the mirror and contemplate where those two bursts of intense, immersive anger came from. I always treasure moments where art makes me reflect on myself. Um, and then they thank us and uh, talk about how they want to hear what we think of the show. Uh, think of think of the game rather. Um, yeah. yeah. Thanks, Joe. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, those are those are awesome, awesome little moments. I love stuff where like a game gets you to do something for a non mechanical reason, mm -hmm. you know, or like a like a non thing. Like my you know perennial example of that is always the end of the Walking Dead season one, where like the guy will get out of the chokehold if you stop choking him, but I didn't stop choking him because I was really invested. Yes. <laughs> so I st kept choking him after the prompt. I will. Uh, and thus he didn't get out and I didn't find out until later that like he can actually escape. Mm -hmm. He can keep going. Yeah. Like it doesn't, it yep. doesn't make you, um, it doesn't make you stop. Yep. Well, yeah. and if you do stop, he gets out, it changes the story. Like he mm -hmm. gets out of the chokehold. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I love when stuff like that happens in games. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so. just, and you know, the fact that they successfully manipulated you into abandoning your run like that. You yeah. Know, by, by, yeah, yeah. you know, really, you know, leveraging your affection for Malik. I've been uh, I've had it stuck in my head because people have been talking about similar moments in the Slack. Yep. I'm doing that. And uh, someone in the Slack keeps posting the meme of Bugs Bunny looking down at his pistol where it says, like, uh, uh, heaven forgive me, but I'm back to the old me <laughs> uh, whenever somebody talks about doing this <laughs> in, in Deus Ex. So I keep thinking about that. Like, heaven forgive me. I'm back to the old me. <laughs> um you know, and I, I just I love I love those moments in games. Mm -hmm. I love I almost exclusively play Deus Ex games as robots who go crazy, <laughs> uh, who eventually just lose their mind at being betrayed, and uh, it's a really fun role playing thing. You know? <laughs> but yeah, uh, just a just just a game uh, goading you into doing something without thinking. Um, yeah, acting solely on emotional reflex. And it's, you know, it's rare, right? Really cool, and and good on you for role playing. Yeah, you know, good on you for for giving into that. You know. Mm -hmm. um that's very cool uh 
Uh, so thanks, everybody, for your responses. Um, as mentioned, if you have things to say about uh, manageable WRPG month, December, <laughs> hit us up by December 15th. That's Jade Empire and Tyranny. Mm-hmm. And we'll be back next week with our first episode on Tyranny, covering uh, systems, the pro and the uh, opening chapter, yes, uh, as well as the base building stuff. And then the second episode will be the body of the rest of the episode and kind of my tight five or ten on the DLC. Cool. Uh, which I'm looking forward to getting to. I've never played it. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Um, and now is where we announce the games we are covering in January. 2020, baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are kicking off with a bang um, with my favorite game that I played in 2019 uh, still mm-hmm. uh, as we 2019 rapidly dwindles. Uh, Dusk. Yeah. Uh, Dusk, if you were not aware of it or if you didn't see that it came out, it is uh, kind of a throwback to two and a half D shooters. I think something, uh, you know, build engine games like Duke Nukem 3D. Mm-hmm. Um, it is uh, Lovecraftian. It is spooky. It has great level design. It is really, really wonderful action. Uh, it feels super good. You move very quickly. Like it is so good. Mm-hmm. I loved Dusk. Yeah. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to you trying it. And I'm really looking forward to talking about it. Yeah. Um, I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting into it. You you have talked a lot of sugar about it. Um, similarly, after that, the second game we were doing in January is. Uh, one of, I think one of my favorite games that I played the year that I played it, not necessarily the year that it came out, but uh, we're going to be talking about the Cat Lady. Uh, we the Cat know, Lady baby, yeah, the Cat Lady, uh, an adventure game, uh, a horror adventure game, uh, that deals uh very seriously with themes of uh depression and terminal illness. Uh, I love it. It's a very good game. I want to go back to it and play it, uh, and analyze it and talk with you, Gary. Uh, I think that you will mm-hmm. like it, um, both for its flavor and for the uh, the adventure game elements. I'm really excited because we needed uh, so like this is a really indie beginning mm-hmm. of January 2020, which is cool because I, I've I've wanted to do more indie games for the show in general. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I put out a big Twitter call for that a while back. Yeah. I don't think either of these games ended up on that Twitter call, but I, I do want to widen some variety of what we do. Yeah. Also, you know, I needed that emergency scare package from mm-hmm. our super limp October. So yeah. hopefully, this is at least spooky. Yeah, I think it is. So, uh, and if if it, if it doesn't spook, it will definitely uh, emotionally resonate. I want that as well. Yeah. Everything except for TDM. See also <laughs> an hour ago. No TDM here. This um, moves very quickly. Oh, yeah. No, I, 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 I didn't think it was going to be tedious. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, the uh, After that, we're going to be uh, presenting our live panel from Portland Retro Gaming Expo 2019. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the subject of that was kind of un- unsung gems. Mm-hmm. Um, so we each chose three games to talk about in brief and kind of give, uh, so it's almost like six miniature wafts, mm-hmm. uh, in a live setting, yeah. uh, setting. Um, the nice thing is in the beginning of that, um, I, there was some time stalling. So I told part of a story that is part of duck bundle, <laughs> which is a, a vasectomy story, which is pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, I think so. It's going to end up on the public feed in one <laughs> shape, way, shape or form. We'll yeah. also kind of record, of course, our, our traditional, like, you know, half hour or so of us just kind of reflecting on the event. Mm-hmm at some point and uh, talk about that a little bit. So I think those are fun episodes. And uh, the nice thing is we're giving ourselves some time for some real spicy meatballs we have coming up. Oh boy. Such as that month's yeah. premium game. Yep. Uh, which is uh Shadowrun Dragonfall. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, something that I want to do forever uh, for the show. I love those games. Mm-hmm. I love harebrained schemes. Um, and uh Yeah. It's going to be, I'm really looking forward to you getting into it, Cole, because yep. it is, uh, this, this is going to, it's like the theme for that month other than the live episode. <laughs> it's a lot of like, 
enthusiasm for the other person. Yeah, yeah. So what if, what if we, none of us like the things we think the other person's going to like? That would suck. I mean, I think, that, that I, I think that we would both have the grace to handle it tactfully. I would, ho- I would no. hope so. Well, I think anyway. who, who's we? You got a mouse in your pocket? You'd be a huge <laughs> asshole about it. Like, <laughs> like, um, the, no, no, no. I think, I think it's going to be really fun. There's a lot of enthusiasm there. I'm really due for a Dragonfall replay, and I've never played mm-hmm. the uh, director's cut to completion. Oh, nice. Uh, so I'm going to do that. And uh, yeah, that's yeah. going to be really a blast. Um, and then we already have February planned, and mm-hmm. I'm I'm so fucking excited. Yes. Uh, for all of it. Yeah. So 2020 is going to be an awesome year. 2019 was a really fun year for the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, good shit. We're, do, we're doing something in February that I wanted to do also for the whole thing that we've both been like horny for. Mm-hmm. And I am, uh, I think it's going to like turn some heads. I think people are gonna be really interested in hearing us talk about it. So same. the premium for that month is awesome. Mm-hmm. So cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's everything. Indeed. Yeah. Um, so thanks everybody for listening and we will be back in uh, one week's time with mm-hmm. tyranny. Yes, we will. Um, I am enjoying that as we are playing it. So great. Cool. Good, good to hear. Alrighty. Um, uh, so ratings, reviews, patreon.com slash tech TV. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, we'll see you next week. Ab- oh, sorry. Absolutely. No, I was just going to say these oh. episodes are getting long, but it never feels like it takes a long time to do these. So, yeah. Um, well, you could also, uh, say, uh, duck stream, December 20th. Oh, yes. Yeah. Duckstream, uh, the weekend before Christmas. It's going to be a good time. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Umbasa. Umbasa.